On this episode of the Nocho Podcast, we've got a coach on the show, David Fisdale, who truly embodies the spirit of the game with a nod to the old school and a well-adjusted connection to the current era of players. Coach Fizz came up in an era of basketball in LA before players moved around, one where your community was rooted in the game. As Fizz's basketball life took him out of his neighborhood and far beyond X's and O's, he's established himself as one of the best minds in the game. For Gil, Coach Fizz has always been one of the good ones, who not only has the street cred as a hooper, but the pedigree with rings as an assistant in Miami to the head job in Memphis and New York. We can't wait to see where Fizz goes next, but we know he brings an enlightened worldview to a team filling in with dedication to the game and the players committed to getting better. The best thing about Fizz is something we should all strive to mirror, his love of the game and taking part in bringing it to another level. It's an episode of the No Chill Podcast you're going to love. We love it too. Remember, subscribe. You can get every episode as soon as they drop. And be sure to check out all good things happening on the No Chill YouTube channel. And don't forget, every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, it's No Chill with Gilbert Arenas on the Fubo Sports Network. Welcome to No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. I'm Mike Botticello. He's Gilbert Arenas. And Gil, we've got a coach on the show today. You, you're more presentable this, this episode, yeah, I, I think. Make it up for the coach. It's a little more formal. But <laughs> coach David Fisdale, welcome to the Thanks show. Thanks for having me, fellas. Great, great to have you here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I think when you're in the presence of a coach, you know, there's it's a grown-up in the room. So. <laughs> oh, my God. That's how I'm, you do it. I'm, I'm, I'm probably the least grown-up in the room. <laughs> so it would be like we're in the locker room. We're, we're goofing around, and then you walk in. Oh, we got to get serious. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Man, yeah. Man, them, do, them, dudes, them dudes saw me come in the locker room. They just started probably laughing louder when they saw me come in there. <laughs> well, now, that's not your the, style. Now, when the time kicked in, you know, it's always that time, time. on the clock. Yeah, that time on the clock. Because then I'll start finding they ass for if their phones <laughs> go off and stuff. So then they start turning off everything and getting quiet. Uh, no fines here. No fines. If no we have fines, fines, he would owe us. You'd be in the red. He'd be in, he'd be yeah, in, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's how he was as a player. No, too, no, right? but today I got to give him credit. He was early, early. Oh, he was well, so I had, the, I had dumb fines. Yeah. I didn't have like, I didn't have like phone fines or like there was right. never game, game day fines or practice fines. Plane fines. <laughs> It'd be the plane. But what's so funny is I lived 15 minutes from it, and you just couldn't. And I'll just be sitting there because I didn't want to be the first one there. Oh, like on a, you don't want to so be the first one on the plane, in. so I just strolled in, wait there. You didn't have to get your own food because <laughs> I know some rookie was going to get oh, your yeah, food yeah. for sure. So I already know that. But yeah. wait a minute, so that was your thing? You would just sit in your car? I sit in my car, listen to music, That's playing, what you did today. talking on the phone. Was early. Yeah. And then end up being late. Like yeah, like I remember I um like I sat outside the airport and then took a nap. You didn't. And they took off on me. <laughs> Who was your coach? Um, uh, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't Eddie. Because I know. Oh my God! I've never left a player. That's for sure. It wasn't because it, it was going to Detroit, and I'm sitting out there. Oh, I'm sitting man. out there, knocked out. That's just, so funny. We le- I've been on the staff <laughs> where we left a player behind, but uh, as a head coach, I never left. I like, man, I had to take the air for the regular regular flight. There were there were times that you probably wanted to leave somebody, but you really can't. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. egregious. But <laughs> anyhow, for this though, I mean, this is another LA thing. You yeah, know, LA guy. We're gonna great. we're gonna rewind this a little bit more though, Gil, because you got to know what goes on here, Coach. He's a Valley guy. He's always talking about the Valley. He's always defending the Valley. And his era 
of LA basketball. And you were before that. I was gone already. In a different part of the city, um, John C. Fremont High School, yeah. where you came from, won a championship there. Two. Okay, yeah, two. Two. <laughs> two. two. Uh, there you go. go. I, that is, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I skipped over I just, like, very Statistically, I just want to make sure we get that. You know, There's four years, two. I, mean, I, I didn't want to make them feel too bad because it's not a uh, postseason success for you wasn't at Grant wasn't a. Yeah, we didn't win a chip. We made yeah, it to the playoffs I, no, twice. But I made it. <laughs> champion twice. Players was coming out of the valley, but they didn't have the teams that we had. And what we've seen now is they're starting to become a shift where more guys are coming to school out yeah. our way, you know, down in the valley, mm -hmm. in a place like out in the valley. And the city is kind of I'm suffering sure. for that, you know, because it's probably a lot of it is guys that should be playing in the city aren't playing at the we, city. We know so. a few, but I mean, it, it's starting to happen. It's happened. It's been Oh, it's so gone. Wild. Yeah, it's been happened. I remember, I saw it happening towards the tail end of my time in the city. And then, you know, as I went to college and things started to change, right after I would say like, um, Paul Pierce, that group, yep. mm -hmm. that's when you started seeing dudes kind of move out the city a little bit and start going to different high schools and different places. But, you know, at my time in the city, the city was the deal. Oh man, I mean, it was some dudes Kevin Ollie was running around. Kevin Ollie. Like, oh, yeah, man. Kevin Ollie. You can get KO in Crenshaw High School, yeah. City Player of the Year, LA. Yeah. 4A basketball. He was a beast. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, man. Like, you're talking about a, a 12 year pro, I think, yeah. KO played mm -hmm. in the league. Um, you know, our, our team was loaded. We had, uh, I think I was maybe one of nine guys that got D1 offers in a two year stretch. We was loaded. We was fifth in the country my junior year. Um, and then we lost to Jay Kidd and them in the state by three. But the city in general, it was just a lot of dudes, mm -hmm. you know, that came out of L.A. From really up until even recently, it's a lot of dudes still coming because Russell and them, all of these guys. Are still yeah, you LA still got the, you got, the you got the sprinkle of But it was just, uh, I think, uh, as, as crazy as it sounds, I actually think the, from the crack epidemic on, you just saw LA, it was either you was doing that or you was hooping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that was what your outlets were. And so like in my part growing up, it was me, Tina Thompson, world champ, Hall mm -hmm. of Famer. Uh, she lived in my apartment building. Uh, Cedric Sabalas, Chris Mills. Wow. All of us went to play that same part. Growing up, Harold Miner often was up there when he was a kid, mm -hmm. little kid. I mean, we was young. Like you think about that. Nick Young came from our part. His older brothers and cousins. Robinson? You see, yeah, it's Robinson. You know Robinson right there. That's the hood part. You just have to walk from the neighborhood over up. But that's that was that was my, you know, Kevin Ali, obviously. That was my introduction to basketball, was Robinson Park. And so, you know, you're talking about LA, like all of those NBA minds was and bodies was in that little bitty gym at the same time. I mean, could you imagine the pickup games that was going on? Like Think about that, like serious ball. Sean Higgins, who played at Fairfax with Chris Mills, mm -hmm. who was all Michigan, he played in the league for a while. He was phenomenal. I mean, you're talking about, you know, some of LA's finest was coming through there. And then by the time I got to high school, you know, Morningside had more, Stace Bozeman and Dominique Ellison. You've probably seen that movie they did, The Morningside Five, about mm -hmm. them. They was all on my AAU team. 
Gumby at Westchester, the Ball brothers, the twins. Mm -hmm. So the Balls, the the young kids, their uncles, who was twins, I'm pretty sure it's their uncles, Uh played at Mm -hmm. Westchester against me. They played with Gumby. Gumby was player of the Mm -hmm. year, his senior year. Uh, It was them. And that's when Westchester turned into, started turning into a powerhouse. Right? That that group. Oh, was that group? That that group was the group. But they had too many thugs on that team. So they wasn't (laughs) going pro. After that, you saw Trevor and Bobby Brown wow. and all of them dudes started coming. Yeah, that's when I was Ooh. like I like I played against Westchester. That was my second, it was 99. Yeah. And yep. beat the hell out of us. They, <laughs> like, they was like, we was we made was they, we made number, number six in the country. They were number one, yeah. So they was Lou Lou, uh, Lou Wright was on that team. Oh. Lorenzo Wright was um Younger brother was on Ooh, that team. They, they kept guys coming out. Uh, then, Osborne. You know, out in, uh, you know, they was after me, but we considered this L.A. And it's like I always consider a lot of the Valley L.A. in a lot of ways is, you know, Tyson and, and mm-hmm. those guys is Tayshawn. That, that crew. Was, that was my era. Them dudes. But that's, was, that's Dominguez. Ty, that's, uh, Tyson Ty, Dominguez. Compton yeah. Dominguez. Yeah. Compton Dominguez. So that, and that was, you know, I mean. But that one, I, I was going to say, all of this. Yeah. What changed? Something there at some point it changed, and Tyson was from the from Fresno area. So, so the I my mean, point is that guys started to move. What, all what I'm gonna say is guys wasn't moving necessarily, <laughs> and they was going to school in different places. And exactly right, I think guys yeah, was getting. What what ends up happening is you got to remember with 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 violence in those areas. Yeah, all the private schools said, "Hey, we can." Because mm-hmm. remember, they were still integrating. I don't know if they did it back then, but they were integrating schools from. Elementary, junior high, so we were getting bust all over. The yeah, place so you're getting bust. So what yeah. ends up happening is you got the LA kids coming to Valley schools for elementary, junior Absolutely. high. Absolutely. So what ends up happening is they're so they're so familiar with the Go valley. To the high school they just say, "Well, because we'll I went, I was, I went, I got bust when I was in the seventh grade. I went to a junior high called Pasture, which is all on the West Side, Cadillac, Corning area by that Kaiser." Mm-hmm. They changed it to a learning for enriched studies type of place. They bust all of us to different places and they bust me out to the Palisades to Paul Revere Junior High. Mm-hmm. Me and all of my buddies from that little pocket of the hood went out to like a really nice area. So for us, it was like, oh my God, like, look how they living up here. Like, are you serious? Like, is this real? Like, and so, you know, the coach at Palisades obviously was trying to get us all to stay up there. And I was like, my cousin was the coach at Fremont. Uh, Willie West was the coach at Crenshaw. And both of them was like, and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to go sit behind Kevin Ollie my whole time at Crenshaw. So I'm going over to Fremont. I'm going to hoop over here. And I got over there and realized it was this dude named Robert Moore who was a beast. And I ended up sitting behind him until I was a senior. And then I got to start. But, you know, L.A. is, LA is you know, the history of it and just the, how the whole thing has morphed from the city to the valley and eventually hopefully we get some guys back in the city. The, most of the LA kids going to IE now. Oh, they IE. go everywhere but yeah. everywhere but, but yeah. Everywhere yeah, but because, because it's safer. Yeah. Them, right. You know? Th- that's what I think it boils down to is it made sense to hey get away from all this trouble because you really got a future here. Yeah, so and get they're gonna take care of you out there too. So you ain't gonna get a shot. They, you eating well you stand at places that yeah you imagine the houses I, I mean i just thought of like what i was saying like if i when i went to junior high in palisades and the kid in my math class is like hey come over after school <laughs> i walked into this kid's house in malibu and i'm like man 
what is this? <laughs> like, his room alone was just like my apartment. Like, it was four of us living in an apartment the size of his wing of the place. And it was like, so if I was a kid at that time going places like that, I'm not going back to the hood. Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm out. You know? Which is a great thing because it can give you a, a different perspective on the world. No, it was great. That's why I went to work. I went to college in San Diego because it was literally the exact opposite of South Central. Like I was literally the percentage of white at my school because my pops was white, my mom is black. That was it. It was all black and a percentage of Mexicans, and that was it. And then I go to San Diego, and I'm still the only percentage, but I'm the only percentage of black <laughs> amongst all white folks. So for me, it was a good way to kind of get a grasp of everything. You know, and see the world from from a lot of different lenses. Um, you know, and it ultimately was one of the biggest desires for me to go to the school. My grandfather sat me down and said, "You know, do you want to go somewhere where you know everything already, or do you want to go somewhere that's uncomfortable and where you gonna have to get out of your comfort zone and figure shit out?" And I was like, "All right, this is the place." <laughs> that that lesson right there, being being able to be uncomfortable well, my and draw some my, lessons. Rest his soul, my grandfather was ahead of his time when it came to like really describing that kind of stuff. He really understood like what it meant to get uncomfortable. He was mm -hmm. like, he's like, nothing good is gonna come out of you being comfortable. He was like, cause when, when discomfort comes for you, you're not gonna know how to handle right. it. Yeah. And then you know that like you can relate to that is give me all the, give me all that, like one, one verse five, give oh, me all the chaos. He and lived I, in that. Right. Yeah. Are you kidding me? What's so funny is it, when growing up in, <clears throat> growing up in a valley, I tell people watching racism huh. is actually different from, for me because here we didn't have white dominant. Right. We didn't have, so it wasn't a white dominant. So it wasn't black versus white here because of mixing pot, you have every single race. I mean, you have- Huge mixture. You have Chinese, Vietnamese, Cambodian, you have Mexican, Guatemalan, Salvadorian. Yeah. You have everyone in your classroom where there's no dominant race. So right. you get to actually see everyone. So when you leave the valley, you leave and go into the real world, you're sitting here like, whoa. Yeah, whose side I supposed to be on? Right. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't have race wars. You didn't live like that. <laughs> you, you didn't have to have that same- Yeah, yeah. You didn't feel occupied, right. Yeah. right? Like we in the hood, we felt occupied. Like the cops was on our ass mm -hmm. every. We could not. I can't remember many times, honestly, where it was when I was in the car with multiple black kids or a couple of my Mexican buddies, and we was riding that we didn't get pulled over. Mm -hmm. And just think about that yeah. over and over and over. You living like that, you know what I mean? And that's why I said it, the race part came in that for me in LA, when you talk about you didn't see it as much as the race part came in how we was policed. I didn't feel a lot of racism growing up from the average citizen. Cause I grew up on the, on, I grew up in the most unique place in LA from the standpoint of, of black and white. Cause I grew up on the cusp of where we are now in the hood. Mm -hmm. The West side was one of the first places that got hit with crack. Mm -hmm. So the Playboy Gangsta Crips, schoolyards, Marvin gangsters, mm. they got their hands on that stuff first and started really selling it. And that was the street I lived on, Corning and Cadillac. Mm -hmm. Drive-by shootings was the regular, all this stuff. But you also saw a celebrity come from right here, right to our neighborhood, because it was close to get some of that stuff. Hmm. So I got a unique perspective of living on the cusp of white and black and hood and rich and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. And I got to see it, you know, through a, 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 a unique lens as a kid. So. 
I never felt like, oh, this person's racist. Like I never felt that from white people. Like I was meet, I would see white people. We were running to white people on La Cienega. We go into the store. I never ran into that. When I got dealt with cops, that's when I felt it. That's when I was like, oh shit, I'm black. That's when I realized how black I was. Like it was like, damn. Do you gotta do that that tight? Do you gotta squeeze? I'm, I'm 12, bro. Like literally, like, you know, it was like I was 12 years old and I was getting like brutalized. And I was a hooper. So they know what they was doing to the gangsters. Yeah. You know, you can only imagine some of the stuff that was taking place on that street. But really, were they differentiating you from the game? I mean, no, that, you, that all they saw was what they saw. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. That goes to show you it wasn't about crime and this and that. It was just, I see a black kid, mm-hmm. I'm gonna fuck with him. Right. And that's where I finally felt like, damn, this shit, race is real. And then in 92, I was, at going, I was going into my senior year. I was still a junior. And the LA riots, you know, the whole Rodney King thing mm-hmm. happened not too far from, he was out there in Simi yeah. Valley. That happened mm-hmm. on the road in Simi Valley where that all got filmed. Mm-hmm. You know, not too far from where we stay now. So it's like, you know, that opened our eyes more than anything to race. But other than that, you know, we go play tournaments and this and that. And I never really felt overly, like people was overtly being racist. And maybe I was a young, naive kid too and didn't understand the, the quiet symptoms of it, but we're in crazy times. It, we are in crazy times. Wow. And to keep things upbeat and positive, look at it. I think that is one of the best silver linings of the past 12 months is in the sports world. It's not just shut up and dribble anymore. That that oh. lid is off of it. And, and now athletes have a better platform and a better voice, a representative of what you know people believe in. And they're thinking mm. differently. Yeah, they're aware, they're aware right? Yeah, we're um, more in tune. We're more in tune. Like, you know, I lived in, you know, I lived in DC. Well, I lived in Virginia, but you know, um but you was the in DMV. The DC, yeah. And I was clueless, to be honest, to everything that was around. Like I didn't go to the cap. I was I was like, I don't know where the Capitol building is. Right. <laughs> I didn't know you where went, half, you I didn't know where half the buildings. I went from from home to practice yeah, facility. To airport. Yeah, okay. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, like I'll ride my bike during the summer, you know, for exercise, but I didn't really enjoy. DC. I didn't really get to enjoy what DC had to right, offer. Right, So when people like, yeah, what's going on in DC? Like, eh? <laughs> I couldn't tell you how to get to the White House. Yeah. Like I'll drive by and be like, yeah, that's it. I don't know I, how I, to. I got one for you. I mean, first of all, the arena wasn't too far from there. Yeah, but I, what I'm saying is, but if you, it wasn't and, on my route, I wasn't here's, getting... Here's yeah. an interesting guy, a teammate you had, which it, it is a rare thing for a player to get involved, especially in that era, right? Eton Thomas, though. Oh, he's deep. But was it because okay. of where he was? Okay, so... DC? We appreciate Eton now. Right. Then... People we don't want to hear that shit. People wouldn't listen to us. <laughs> people wouldn't hear that People shit. weren't hearing them then. Right. No, we didn't, they weren't you know, so like you have, you have your, your players that's into the politics and, you know, but, you know, a bunch of young Coopers. Uh, <laughs> I think now, I think that just the overall, the bottom line is social media has really changed the way, the engagement, mm-hmm. right? Because you hear back what people think of you. Yeah, and, say, and you can't get, you. but, and you, you're going to know what's going on. Yeah. Like, you know, back in the day, if you wouldn't wouldn't a guy that avidly watched the news, you really wasn't paying attention to what the hell was going on day to day in the world. Now the phone has you just it's coming to you regardless yeah, of regardless, if you want it yep. or not. And so, if you happen to be a guy that it strikes a chord with you, 
like an Eton Thomas mm-hmm. or somebody. Not only can you get active, but you got a community of activists out there that's that you that's in arms reach now, just a button, a button away. And so now you're not just this guy screaming into the wind, (laughs) right, with a bunch of dudes around you that may or may not be interested in that. You can go on your phone now and find a whole community of people, good and bad, Uh for what you want, what you believe in. Right. And so that's just I think is different. That's a different you you can, you know, like like even though I don't watch the news. But I can get on the phone, oh. and then my first three posters, they did what? Trump did what? This they, happened, this oh, happened. Oh, oh, who is this? That's the president? That's the vice president? I remember I was watching TV. Like that. And Pence. Pence was on it. And it said, it was like, uh, it was Kamala versus Pence. And I said, yo, who the f- is this dude? <laughs> like, who the f-? And it says, you know, vice president. And I'm like, he's the vice president? Like, now? And they're like, yeah, that's Trump's guy. Where, is, where has he been in the last because, four years? Because Trump <laughs> well, has his face. But, but that's, that's the funny part. It's like, I'm sitting here for the first time in four years trying to be like, who is this guy? He just sat there. You know? <laughs> he was the guy that was sitting there letting all this shit go down. But it's a matter of what you're looking at. And I think as a basketball player, we'll stay in that sport. You do have a lot of time on your hands. And if guys are on a plane rides or on a bus yeah. or did their downtime, if they're playing video games or, or whatever other stuff they're into. A guy like Eton used that time to read and watch news yeah. reports and get engaged. And like, you think about it, he's got the press, he's got media in his locker room, pre and post game. He could say whatever, when he uses yeah, that time uh, to say whatever he wants. Well, and get you know, his message out there. Again, though, you're seeing such a dramatic shift. I, you, just, you just think about five years ago, I was having to talk about, am I going to have my team kneel for the anthem? Because mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick was the guy kneeling by, basically him and a few other football players was the only guy kneeling, and they were getting crucified for it. Look at now what's happening. There's been a total shift. Drew Brees said something, and he became yeah. Colin Kaepernick yep. when he talked about guys kneeling, right? Mm-hmm. It flipped. That's how much we have seen change because of what happened over the course, obviously, of this summer, the George Floyd deal, mm-hmm what Steven Jackson and them did, the, the movement that they started with Black Lives Matter, that has shifted everything because what they figured out, for truly, really have, have figured out is the consumer power of Black people. And corporate people started getting on board with this. And you saw things like the Redskins name got changed. Well, who really put the pressure on the Redskins to change it? I think it was like Pepsi, Nike, mm-hmm. You know, like FedEx. Yeah, like real corporate money is now saying, wait a minute, this ain't right. And so it's opening up this uh this lane, I think, for young activists to step into where they don't have to be as afraid no more. You know, I wrote an op-ed early in this that talked about how when I was in Memphis during that time, um, and there was two statues in the city that we were trying to get down, the Nathan Bedford Forrest statue and the Jefferson Davis statue. Nathan Bedford Forrest, you've probably been hearing his name recently, is the guy who orchestrated the Klan, had a two-story statue in Memphis. And Jefferson Davis down the street by the river had another two-story statue. So mm-hmm. here I am, a young black coach in the middle of this race debate, whether it was in my city or whether it was in my sport. And I'm saying, if I say this, am I going to get blackballed, mm-hmm. basically? Am I going to get outed and not be able to get a job out of this? I know it's cool for Pop to talk, 
I know it's cool for my man Steve Kerr to talk, mm -hmm. Stan Van Gundy, them my guys. And I love them for speaking up for our community. But is it okay as a black man to speak up for my own community, right? And, and, and really stand up and not feel the repercussions because we saw what happened to Cap. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows he was good enough to be on the football roster. Let's be real about that. Was he a starter or this, that, I don't know. Mm -hmm. In that time of his career, he was good enough to be on a football roster and he lost his career over that. So as a black man, I wrote about the fear that I had of speaking out in a corporate world and getting either the backlash you know, or getting my, losing my career over it. And was it worth it? Mm -hmm. You know, and what has shifted is that that fear is starting to get subsided because of this generation understands the power that they have as a, a revenue builder, as and the power of the African-American community as consumers. And they're starting to utilize that platform in a very intelligent, really, you know, futuristic way that we haven't seen any generation do before. And I think that that's player empowerment has shifted things. And you look back at it, it always takes a pioneer, right? You look at uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf mm -hmm. and you look Black at Ball. Black Ball and Craig Hodges. Mm -hmm. Those guys, nowadays they would be celebrated, but they had to be the first up. And they weren't appreciated at that time, and they weren't appreciated for years, really. Right. But that's hard and, to do. Still not necessarily appreciated. No, yet. not necessarily. Like, no. Not necessarily have people really owned the. I think, you know, and I'll let you slip on this one, uh, Gil. I'll let you have this one. But look at what happened at the Capitol. That was supposed to be a protest, right? Like this is, these dudes was kneeling. This dude turned his back on the flag, and look at how they've been treated. And look at what was said about them. Like Donald Trump, look at what he said about Colin Kaepernick and the guys that was kneeling for, and, and to, to stop police brutalities, but to stop the police from killing people. And so to see the, the total opposite happening right now over a lie, it just is like, damn, like this is crazy. You know what the real, if you look at it, it's the old generation. Mm -hmm. It's the old generation trying to keep everything the same and the younger generation that was taught by us. Yeah. Ask questions. Ask question questions. Question everything. And you question everything. So now you have all these young kids. <laughs> like, that doesn't even make sense. And they got <laughs> information. They got, <laughs> they got information at their fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. You yep. said, what did that? Oh, what did you say that? No, nah, that's a lie. Let me Google <laughs> that. So now, like, so well, I was like, right. I'm sitting there watching, like, uh, the protests and all this. And you got, like, um, you got the kids, like, young kids. I see young kids, 18, 16, 15, like, Black Lives Matter. All white kids. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Police is pulling them over. Shut up. And I'm sitting here, it's like, that's why it's never going to stop. See, before, you'd have just beat it out of us. These young kids think this, this is Call of Duty. They don't give <laughs> two shits about what you're talking they're about. They're living they in that world. They do not care what you're talking and about. And they're smarter. They're looking at these phones and say, oh, my friend went there. Oh, he got two bruises. I'm going to get four. I'm in. I'm and, and that's what it was. And look at what the young generation has had to deal with, though. See, see again, like, these kids are smart. I didn't know about a deficit mm -hmm. when I was in high school. These kids know that we just left them with, that, that Trump just gave this big ass tax break to people and they know the deficit that's falling on them. Mm -hmm. We ain't gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> they gonna have to pay for it. Yeah, right? yeah, These yeah. kids know this. <laughs> Their schools are getting shot up. Mm -hmm. 
They're the ones protesting and getting organized on how to get gun violence out of our country, right? So when Black Lives Matter happened, they immediately, no matter what color they were, they already connected to the, yep. everyone because they're way smarter than us on Twitter and all these social outlets, but it connected to them. Wait a minute, they don't give a shit about our lives in these schools with guns. Mm -hmm. And these black folks are sitting here getting killed by cops and getting killed by gun violence in their neighborhood. We can get on with that. And so what you're seeing is now a social movement against, and I do, I do believe there is some old school to it, but I think the, the race and the race element is a part of it. Mm -hmm. Older, you know, I think it's, I think it's like the generation or two after the old civil rights whites mm -hmm. that, you know, was holding on for dear life to keep blacks in their place. It's like, here's, it's like their grandkids. Their grandkids are like, ah. <laughs> But you can't stop it because the, the country's going to continue to brown. It's getting browner and browner and browner, no matter what you do. And those people are going to vote. Yep. And when they vote, there's more of them than that. And that's the way it's going to go. And I think that's what happened in this whole thing is like this pressure point of like, we're getting outnumbered. All right, let's take a break to talk about our friends at Manly Bands. Guys, for the better part of their lives, our better halves have been fantasizing about the perfect wedding ring. Cut, clarity, carrot, color, you name it. For us, not so much. And jewelry stores clearly think the same thing. Who really cares about a guy's band, right? Well, Manly Bands does, and they're here to rescue you from an otherwise hellish band buying experience. Manly Bands offers your hand the freedom to look how you want it in just about every type of earthly material imaginable and even from space. And it's an online process, super easy, super fast. I went through it and you just size your finger and you get your band in just a couple days. So for those of you who don't plan ahead, I hate to say I'm one of those twos, they got you covered on that front. So to get started, order the Manly Ring Sizer from Manly Bands to ensure that your ring will fit perfectly, work and play included. Once you know your size, it's time for the fun part. Manly Bands has an insane selection of materials to choose from, gold, wood, antler, steel, dinosaur bone, and even the meteorites that killed them. You can also choose from curated collections like Chris Harrison or Jack Daniels Whiskey Barrel Collection. Yes, wood from whiskey barrels. And if you're feeling even more creative, you can customize your band from scratch, choosing the style, material, inlay, sleeve, and finish. Once you've selected your band, Manly Bands offers free shipping worldwide, a 30-day exchange policy, and a free warranty. So while there might be a 50% chance of your marriage working out, there's a 100% chance that you're going to love your band. So for fans of the No Chill Podcast, we got something for you. To order your Manly Band and get 20% off, plus a free silicone ring, go to manlybands.com slash nochill and enter the promo code nochill. That's manlybands.com slash nochill. For 20% off, plus a free silicone ring. Hoopers, you'll, fit, you'll thank us because when you're playing ball and you have a silicone ring on, that means jam fingers. And those things, you don't have to worry about your ring. So, manlybands.com slash nochill and enter the promo code nochill. All right, we want to let you know about our friends at Grammarly. 
Anytime that you have something important to write, the worst thing about it is not feeling confident in what you're putting down, where your ideas go, but you want to make sure it's clear and effective. Well, there's more to clear and effective communication than just catching spelling mistakes. Grammarly Premium gives you real-time feedback and insights to help you elevate your writing through tone, word choice, clarity, and more. If you're under the gun to get something done, you got to make sure that the words are perfect. Exactly what you have in mind is coming out in what you're writing. Because we get so many messages and documents, things start to blend together or sound the same. So more effective writing is the key to making better connections. Grammarly Premium gives you real-time insights and guidance on tone, word choice, clarity, and so much more so you can communicate clearly and confidently. I got started with Grammarly Premium and it just made my life easier. I write hundreds of emails a day, pitch decks, rundowns, and all kinds of documents that tax my brain. So taking care of those details is essential and having something like Grammarly in my toolbox makes life that much better. Level up your writing for work, school, or in personal projects. Premium features include advanced suggestions on grammar, punctuation, sentence structure, and style. It's the perfect writing tool for anyone who wants to stand out with every word. Harness the power of Grammarly on every platform with their desktop editor, browser plugin, and mobile apps. Improve your writing on all your favorite sites and apps, Outlook, Gmail, Twitter, LinkedIn, and more. Don't just say it, make a statement with clear, flawless text that's sure to impress. Grammarly doesn't just correct your mistakes, it helps you build your skills as a writer. Think about that. Think about how valuable it is. Elevate your writing with 20% off Grammarly Premium by signing up at Grammarly.com slash no chill. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium at G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash no chill. Write better, polish those skills, and you'll thank us for it. All right, let's also talk about our friends at DraftKings. It's the return we've all been waiting for, and it's finally here. You know who we're talking about. One of the sport's most notorious icons is stepping in the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a free shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with first deposit. If you haven't tried it already, Fantasy MMA is easy to play, so get started. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about football playoffs where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. All right, for fans of No Chill Podcast, we got something for you. Be sure to download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code NOCHILL to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code NOCHILL to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. It's a minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So so when you when someone says, oh, don't like this group, we were like, okay, don't like this group. 
we raised kids that says, now nah, you question everything. Everything. So now these kids are like, what do you mean right. don't like him? What did he do? He didn't do anything to mean this. And that's the generation now that's like, and nah, I nah, see nah, it in culture. Tear all this up. <laughs> and it's, it's bit me in the ass with this generation song because <laughs> I had it where obviously I've, I've gone off on some people and this generation doesn't just, they don't absorb that kind of coaching like we did. Like Bobby Knight was normal in coaching. That was all of our coaches mm-hmm. called us out of our name and grabbed us by the shirt and yelled at it. That was just normal coaching. These kids, it's like, nah, you're not, one, you're not yelling at me like that. <laughs> Two, and you're going to tell me why you want me to do something. They that's, want to that's know what it is. the why. why. Yep. Is, is, is that the hardest, is that the hardest part now being, being coached by that style? Right. Nope, that's the style you learn. And then adjusting to... You know, if you want to just... You know, I could just bring this up and we don't have to be on this much, but it was definitely something that I felt like I I overcompensated for in my second job. Mm -hmm. I was was hard on that Memphis team. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like... Because we had a short window and I'm like, ah, we got... And I was on their ass and yelling at them and dudes was pissed at me. and, And then I got to New York and I had this young group and I was a little more chill and giving them the why and bringing them along, but I also lost a lot of games doing that too. Getting my, you know, getting, trying to, trying to, you know, slow walk the guys. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned over two jobs and two different generational teams, an older team and a, a team mm-hmm. full of babies is you got to find that middle mm-hmm. ground. And the middle ground is you can still be hard and stern, but at the same time, while you're doing it, you have to be explaining why. This is why. And what the, the good part about this generation that I like with explaining why when you tell somebody why, they take ownership of it, right? They own it after that. Mm-hmm. They, they say, okay, I get it now and I'm all in. Mm-hmm. Or they say, nah, that's some bullshit and I'm out. Mm-hmm. But at least you give them all the information. and then Because once they get that information, they'll run with it. And if they trust what you send it to them, they'll run with it. But you got to give them the information. Because if you don't give them the information, they're never going to you know, really, really try what you're doing. Yeah, it just seems like that's just the biggest like, difference now is... Kids want more information. Yeah. And, and it's not a bad thing. No. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's it's kind of a good thing, but it's kind of hard because it's like, well, I, you suppose when I tell you something, you're supposed to just do it. That's the old it. school. You know, when to I say it, you do, do it. it. We, we you know, now, because you, I said so. Remember now, those, now, those now you're not saying, coachable. Because <laughs> I said so, and if I told you to run through a wall, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that was the wall. old school. Yeah, like, yeah, coach, yeah. I run through a wall for my coach. Well, why the Am I running through the wall, folks? That's what these kids are saying. When the door's right I, mean, I can go through the door. What do you, why, why would I do that? Right? Like, that's this generation. So it so. makes sense, right? Like, instead of just saying, do this, why? Because I yeah. said so. And because as a coach, you kind of had your, you had your commandments, right? Mm-hmm. And that's it. Now, if I tell you why, that actually makes me a better coach because I'm explaining myself. But, or, but if yeah. you're stuck in your ways, you're just uncoachable. You see how it can work? Oh, well, no. It's yeah. labels that come so out. So it there, becomes your uncoachable, your bad team locker room guy because you're asking questions. Right. And, you know, and it's like, it seems like it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to secure a job yeah. if you're not put in a situation where, okay, you give me this. Right. What are you expecting? Absolutely. Are you expecting us to win? Are you expecting me to groom them? To be yeah. better players for the future. Like, what is what yeah. is my and actual? And that's the you know that's that's why as a coach you always got to make sure you know you find that thread and what that is mm-hmm. you know because uh, you can't get caught especially when you got a team full of like you got some young kids you got veterans that want to win 
You know, you got to make sure, hey, what, is, what do they want? Uh, yeah. And, you know, whatever happens out of that, you got to live with. You know, but you gotta go with you gotta go with what what the if we walk out of the room, we all say that we gonna do this. That's what we are gonna do, and you live with the result. Yeah, because I was and that's I, really how I, that's 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 part of the business that you just gotta live with. But it's uh these guys are definitely different, and I always say that, and then it's not a negative. It's just not. They just I don't know how I would have been with Twitter. If you gave me Twitter in the ninth grade, mm-hmm. when I was growing up. I don't know what would have came out of that. I don't know who I would have been. <laughs> I tell you what, you say a lot of dumb stuff. You. You're crazy, saying a lot of stuff that you, oh, didn't, you would want to take yeah, back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would have screwed exactly up. I would have said something I wasn't supposed to say. I would have posted something I wasn't supposed to post. I would have did what but, a lot but, of these but kids that, do. But that's why I don't, I don't, like, I don't put too much on young people. Like, right. anywhere from the age of, 15 to 21. You empathize. I can't, I can't really <laughs> like, I can't take what you did at 18 as real. Like, that's who you really are. Like, you're that yes. that could be a phase, that could be part of something that's going on. You made a I can't really say, oh yeah, you're this, like, and I'm gonna mess and up your stock draft. Like, and that's the tough part in coaching is is especially when you get to the league, because it's, you know, I've been fired twice. Mm-hmm. It's cutthroat. Yeah. You know, you you don't have this big cushion to just lose games. That's just the truth. And so, but you got this kid who's 18, 19. He's going through these struggles. He got picked high. Mm-hmm. You know, you he's already getting beat up by probably at home. He's probably getting beat up by the press. Mm-hmm. He's getting beat up by peers mm-hmm. who's who's expecting more of him. Yep. Like, and here it is, I'm his coach. Do I beat him down more? Do I try to lift them? How do you, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's a real tough dance when you're dealing with a kid in that world, you know, where you're trying to, he's got to be a professional and he's in this man's world, but he's still a boy no, in so many ways, you know? And so, and I see the boy in yeah. him. Like, dude, it was one time, uh, my first year, we were the youngest team. It was a stretch of the season. We was the youngest team in NBA history. And I looked around that room at these kids' faces. We were struggling and stuff. And I'm looking at them and they giving me, Everything. Uh-huh. Practice great, showing up on time, following the nutritional information I'm giving them, the sports science. They do pro uh they they all wear the same stuff to shoot around, they tuck in their shirts, they Damn. I mean we had a the, the the one thing I'm proud of with New York is we did raise young professionals. Mm-hmm. We didn't win a lot of games, and that's fine. I can live with that. I'm the only one that people look at their record anyway, mm-hmm. but I am deeply confident that we raised young pros mm-hmm. and they went through it and they handled it great. They dealt with the press right. They took it. Like New York is hard. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah, press yeah. is hard. And these kids took it. But at the end of the day, I was still looking at Kevin Knox was 18. Frank was 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. You know, I had all these babies. Mitchell Robinson was a rookie and I'm looking at them and they, we going through these struggles and I'm like, how can I beat them down? And yell at him, overly yell. I still yelled at him and got on, especially when it came to selfishness and effort. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't compromise. But I'm looking at these boys and saying, is it more important that I, I, I teach them to be pros and, and really teach them what's going to help them for the long term? Or am I, tomorrow am I just going to go cutthroat and try to win every little game I possibly can? And I leaned on the side towards them, mm-hmm. you know, and... and I, I don't have any regrets about that. But see, that, I, 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 that's my biggest problem with, you know, some organizations where you have a young team 
and you're judging the coach and the staff on wins and losses. Oh, that's, that's a tough deal. You can't. Like, they don't supposed to win. Well, you've been in the league yes. long enough. Like, to are go. they getting better? Yes. Or how are they handling things? Like, are they are they on time? Like, they that's what man. I'm judging. I can't judge you on you're going against LeBron and this. I can't judge you on your your wins and losses. That just doesn't make know, sense. That's that's unrealistic. I gotta judge you on. Okay, they're, they're, they're always on time. They're practicing hard. They're playing hard. They're just not winning the game because they're not superstars to win those they games. They was playing 40 minutes a night. 40 minutes a night, but they're playing against they LeBron. College, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I need to really, like, really? Brown would play, <laughs> Brown would play about 20, and they would play about 40. But Brown, eight of Brown's 20 was at the end and, of the game. Yeah. And that was it, right? <laughs> so it's over with. But, but you know, you know, and that's why I was, I'm, I still to this day, and these kids know I love them. I'll defend them to the end because at the end of the day, it's different. I, I've, I've seen young teams that had a bunch of jerks running around, mm -hmm. being unprofessional, being dumb, disruptive. Being, these dudes was just, they had stone faces and they showed up every day. They, and you never heard stuff like, oh, this guy in fits, or this guy in fits. I mean, one time Ennis was pissed at me because we was moving in the direction of um, you know, playing our young guys, yeah. right? And it was at that point in the season that not playing Mitchell Robinson <laughs> yeah. didn't make sense, mm -hmm. right? And so I, Ennis, I was obviously the face of that, and Ennis was pissed at that, and that's fair. I think we've made, you know, made amends since then, and he understands how this business goes. But other than that, the kids was always, they rocked with me the whole way, and I just think that what we're seeing now is just a different group of kids that aren't you guys, mm -hmm. and that's not bad. They are they're they're good in their own way in their own lane, and I don't know how y'all would have handled the bubble. I don't know how y'all would have handled you know, right I, I, like that I, stuff is like think about like like people say like someone asked they me, haven't like, lived through some crazy stuff. I said as a as a wizard team, the bubble would have <laughs> the bubble the bubble would have been funny. That would have been a movie pop right the, there. Yeah, you know, of the course we had a few players that just. Oh. They're just rogue. We had we had just rogue players that, that just, just wasn't gonna work. They just did their own thing. Like I don't like. I remember we um and this is nah. this is a true story. We <laughs> get Flip Saunders. We get Flip Saunders, and we have a veteran team and a young team. So me and Haywood were like the only bridge players that can play young and you know right, be professional. Right. So he's like, all right, we're gonna have a curfew. Nine o'clock in in the hotel. You got to be in the, this game one in Dallas, Ooh. nine o'clock curfew. So you got all the veterans like, yo, we, wait, no, no, no. I got to go to Morton's. You know this didn't work out. I got to be Morton's. <laughs> you got two players like, yo, I, strip club. How do I go to strip club? <laughs> I go to strip, my routine is a strip club before the game. I'm, so he was like, GA, you're the captain. Come up with something. So I didn't go out. So it didn't affect me, right. but I know I need him to really be on point, and he needs his fix. He needs to throw he some ones. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting here like, we got so a compromise. I go to San Casale. I was like, yo, I don't, I really don't think this this is gonna work, bro. We're gonna have we're gonna have some 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 mad veterans. Some people gonna get fined, and he already said he ain't gonna play. So Sam was like, listen, be in here by nine. Do what you gotta do. <laughs> do what you got. Some dudes are skilled. I got girls. it. I know what you're talking about, Sam. 
So I said, hey, man, listen. He said we had to be here by nine. nine. He didn't say the strip club couldn't come here. Yeah, see how he thinks? <laughs> they, they can, He's a problem solver. So I said, look, they can come here and you can just have the strippers here. Oh, sure enough. They all go. But they wanted to prove a point. So they wait till nine o'clock to tell the strippers to walk in the building at nine so all the coaches. Because they're patrolling the lobby. Yeah, because they were patrolling. So, so now you got a whole bunch, so you got a whole bunch of strippers walking crazy. through the lobby they, at nine o'clock. And I'm sitting here like, the stuff oh, we're they heard in this league, shoot, man. Shoot, shoot around. Oh, he was, y'all better come to play. That's not that's not that's not we end up beating, we end up beating, yeah, yeah, we balled out, beat Dallas. You knew you was like, this part of the routine, this coach. Is the, yeah, as long as they had their routine, we good, coach. This is like, don't mess with the routine. <laughs> this is not the time to disrupt know, the routine. And the flip RIP was hot that day. Oh, man. But you have to appreciate that. That is what, like, look, we see the direction that you're going in. We yeah. see the bottom line. We'll get there. But it's not going to be on the path that you probably Listen, have in mind. Man, it's, I, it's a, it's a, what I've learned, one thing is, is all of this stuff is, it's a balance. And it's a compromise, and you know everybody thinks like when we was in Miami that it was this like really oppressive culture, and you couldn't do this and you can't do that. And that team had more fun than any team in NBA Actually, history. Actually, I gotta say that might have been the best team ever to be on if you think about it. Of all those things they that we talked about, like the ridiculous. environment, all oh, the environment, the was star dude, We had Bird and Braun and Chris Bosh. And Norris called. Yeah, because you got leadership on yeah. the court. And then it's like, you well, have like, like you said, we're going to perform yeah. when you have us on this court. That was one thing you knew. When it's time to practice, we got to sit down and watch film. We got to get in the game. We showing up. But when we don't, <laughs> we are going to have fun. Because you got to think that team was getting beat up so much from the outside when LeBron came from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So all they had was each other. Man, they were fun to be around. But man. who this this is he's one of my favorite people in NBA history. Who's the common thread that orchestrated that whole thing that brought it all together? D. I was gonna say Pat Riley. Oh well Pat, obviously, but D was doing the whispering <laughs> at the Olympics. But but the point of for, but for the whole where picture? that it comes from the top. And it was the Riley. Whole, the whole I, the whole thing, how it came up, like how it filled in and how it just like all the right pieces, that was all Pat. But D definitely was doing the dirty yeah, D work. Was doing, D was doing the from, dirty work. From the player side, but yeah. as, as no, the D organization was doing, goes. Listen, D but was Pat, doing the dirty Pat work. had to go in and, and hit it out the park. Mm -hmm. It wasn't done where Brown yeah, was like, I'm just going because D asked me to come down there. Right. Like Chris, Chris said, I'm coming uh, early in the process. And then we was waiting. We didn't know for sure if, if we were getting Brown. And then, you know, it's hard to say no to Pat. Like. When Pat get down at that table with you and he started showing you all them rings and mm -hmm. them, yeah. them diamonds, get the, the them nine field, rings man. get the sparkling in front of you, you get kind of, you know, Pat. And then, and then just the, the, the wherewithal, he and Andy Ellsberg and Chet Camera, how to put the pieces around that would complement what they had put together, you know, and, and really, uh, and, the, and the personalities too. They yeah. know they had to get alphas. Even in your role, if you was a role guy, you still had to mm -hmm. think, you was the baddest son of a bitch on yeah, the planet. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mario Chalmers had the most irrational confidence. <laughs> irrational confidence. <laughs> but when it was on the line, I knew if that ball found him, that ball was going oh, in. Yeah. And you had to be that way, because if LeBron comes down and draws everybody and no looks it and hits you right there, you better make that mm -hmm. shot. So you had to have dudes that was cold-blooded. Mike Miller, James Jones, Ray Allen. Shooters that they... 
They had shot so many shots working out that a shot in the game, like Ray Allen's three, that big three. Yeah. I saw him make that shot in that season in practice after practice 15, 20,000 times. Running backwards. Backwards, not looking at the line, getting off the ground. He used to do a drill. I'll tell a story. He would lay like a foot in the paint, but he'd be laying on the ground on his back, on his stomach, on the side. And, and guys started watching him. I would be passing to him. And he would say, slap the ball, Fizz. So I'd slap the ball. As soon as I slapped the ball, he would get up and I would throw it. And he would go get behind the, the corner three line as the ball was coming after he had gotten up and had to get his feet organized. You know, that corner is a tough yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. got big feet, it's really tough. Mm -hmm. So, and he was doing, he would do it and do it. And all of a sudden, LeBron be laying on the floor. <laughs> D-Way laying on the floor. And, and then after he get done with them, then it would be, they, they would say, now, now the real shooters get to shoot. So all of them would leave, and then it would be Mike Miller, James Jones, and Ray Allen. And you think about that shooting display, and they would shoot for hours, hours, hours. And so those kind of guys were the people that Pat was like, yeah, we got to fill it in with that, because otherwise... It's all, it looks great when he gets everybody to come to him, but if that dude's a softy or he's scared to make a shot, he can't be here. Rashard Lewis was a guy we went and got late who helped us big time in the second championship. Mm -hmm. Like guys that, had, that don't get sick at sea. And that's where Pat was just, he, he understood that thread of player. And he, he just orchestrated that whole thing. Because think of that as a player. I mean, where he gave Showtime Lakers in that era, those guys got down to business when they, they had a lot of fun a in LA. But what was the club name at the Forum Club? Forum club. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. But they then even where he went, you know, with with New York and Miami, he knew wherever he went the kind of the common thread of the players that he brought in there. But once you get him there, that's one thing. It's what do you do with him when you got him? You know what I thought was really unique about Pat and his style was how it morphed everywhere he went. Mm -hmm. He was the city. So when he was in LA, he was this flashy well-dressed, <laughs> Armani suit, cool, calm, I got, sh it's showtime, the sun is shining, the palm trees, I love LA, is blaring on the, you know, he gets to New York, he turns into, he looks like a mobster now, <laughs> who's running the whole deal, under, you know, the underground, and these, his team was just gangster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the one of the most gangster teams, <laughs> they was ready to fight everybody. Every night. <laughs> right? So that team was him. And that was New York. That's mm -hmm. how New York, the city, when you think about New York City, that's yeah. that feeling. Then he gets to Miami, and it's like he Miami connected Vice. that <laughs> South Beach, Miami Vice, that vibe of the city with the teams that he created. Mm -hmm. And it was just, uh, you look at it, that's hard to do, and it's hard. really unique. You have to, yeah, you have to you be know, in tune with the city. You really got to be in tune with the city, man. And that's why even when I went to Memphis, I wasn't talking, trying to uh, get rid of grit and grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was who, I said, I just want to speed up grit and grind. <laughs> I want them to run a little <laughs> yeah, faster. Run a little bit faster. I don't want to yeah. play, you know, those grinded out 80 point games. Ooh. I want to actually hold people to 80 and us <laughs> scoring the hundreds, right? But I kept that thing because it fit Memphis, right? That's what it was about was the city and the people. And that's where I thought, whether he tried it or understood what he was doing at the time, is he that much of a genius? Because he is a genius. Getting to know him, you'll know it. But he really understood the pulse of the city mm -hmm. and the kind of players that could thrive in that city. Rick, you know, know, always, whenever I looked at the moves Miami did, the one move they always did right, and I thought it was great for their success, till today too, to, still now, was Hassan. Oh. And I always watched, like, 
You know, I remember when he he was Milwaukee offered him big money. San Antonio offered him a great deal too. He was like, eh, and people's like, why is he still on the team? Because he sacrificed for the greater good. Absolutely, no he one. I mean, this the, dude is he's 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 he is always going to be under that roof mm-hmm. for whatever whatever role it is. Udonis Haslam will be in the heat in the heat building forever because those championships wouldn't wouldn't he's have been without his jersey's getting retired. Yeah. Like you, these jerseys going up in the rafters, and like you said, he's he literally sacrificed. Uh, to make it work there, because you got to give up money and stuff yeah. to get particular players and things like that. And yeah, he had made, to make it, yeah. Uh, when LeBron, like I said, when LeBron was asking for this, it was his contract that he had to sign last, yeah. so he had to get what was left over. And trust me on this, that dude, everything you've heard about him, <laughs> everything you've read, everything you've seen, it only tells a part yeah. of how awesome. Yeah. Like if you with him. You feeling good about things? You know, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you good. That's all I. That's all I need to tell you. You yeah. good, and I mean, you good anywhere. Like it don't matter. Like in the streets, you got a problem. <laughs> you ain't got no problems. You know what I'm saying? On the court, you as teammate, you ain't got no problems. I remember we played Indiana, and uh, what was my man's name from that played in Carolina? Tough kid, like, shit brick house. Carolina? Uh, and played Pace? at Indian, played for the Indiana Pacers. Hansborough? Yes, Hansborough. God, you know, Hansborough knocked the shit out of D-Wade, busted his head. I'm pretty sure it was Hansborough. And he, I think it was a game later. <laughs> Udonis busted his head wide <laughs> open. And you don't see that no more, right? But that's UD, right? Like, that's UD. Like, he, if you mess with one of his, he ready. You're like, he, is, he, is, he is all in. And that's where it's like, he got this saying, like, he, like I came up with this great saying. He was like, "When you in here, you four paws in. Yeah. We dogs here. Yeah, hey, and I, that's a real like. You, that's coming from a dog, like you know, like Haslam. Look, looks because like, I used to argue. Like, Where's my Haslam map? <laughs> you see when D Wade gets hit, you see who's there hitting everybody else. I've gotten hit. No one's hitting. No one's hitting. <laughs> no one. They don't make them like that no more, boy. <laughs> I was like, you got all the muscles. Be my bodyguard. And what he doing for that locker room right now? is you can't really put a price tag on. No. Like you saw it in the bubble, right? Yeah. When when shit was going south or at all, or they was looking like they was about to give in or something or like that. He's, and Spo, he and Spo are so tight and they've been together so long. Soon as Spo and the, they meeting as the coaching staff and he hear UD back there, he already know UD sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. He got all of them sitting down <laughs> yeah. right there and he know they getting it. And he know now all I got to do is draw up a play because mm-hmm. I don't have to handle that because He's saying exactly what needs to be said in the moment. And that, you can't, when it's coming from a guy sitting in the locker room with you, doing all the practices, running all the conditioning tests and all that shit, and it's coming from a guy like that who's been through all of it, how can you not listen if you Tyler Hero? Yep. Or you none, or you Bam, and you, and you these kids sitting, and you want what, he, what he's done. You got to respect that. And he's a special one. He's a, it's, it's. Uh, the last of a dying breed. Well, that's what we, we, we have kids on. We talk about they have the dog mentality and you want to find kids that have that, but it's just different because he, you can't even talk about it. He, he, he just is. The problem, I think, when, if you want to say anything bad about this generation, I think that's different, is they don't just go hoop at the park no more. Mm-hmm. They have to be organized now. Someone has to organize them. 
you know, because it starts, AAU starts so young now. They so used to people getting them together. When we was young, Robinson Park, what we was just talking about, it wasn't nobody telling us who our five was and all that. It was like the best players picked the best <laughs> next players, and the next best player had next. And you was if you was a kid or a girl like me and Tina Thompson, when we was look, you probably wasn't playing. You yeah. was the guy shooting when they went to the other <laughs> yeah, end yeah, yeah. to transition. And eventually, Tina watched me do it. I took the ball. I called next one day. I took the ball because somebody tried to run over my necks, and I just kept the ball. Yeah. And they said, oh, let the little motherfucker play, yeah, man. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. just shit. Said you some let little, <laughs> let little Fizz play, man. Yeah. Well, he, he can hoop. He can hoop. So that's how I finally got. Tina Thompson did the same thing. Yeah. She called next. Only girl in the gym. Mm -hmm. She called next. She watching. Dude go over. Pick his five. Go. Yeah, yeah, pick his five. Next guy in Tina went out there and stole the ball. <laughs> I ain't giving up my necks. Man, let her play, man. Let that team to play. And now look at what happens out of this. But these kids don't have to do that. They don't know situations. I learned situational basketball on the playground. We was, if the score is, is, is nine, nine, and you go into 11, and you ain't supposed to be taking that shot, mm -hmm. you may never get picked up again. Again. You give up a layup, <laughs> and you, it's game time. And you don't take that foul, yeah. you might, as a friend's player, you might not get picked up again. So you learn situations like quick, like I'm taking layups. Yeah. I'm saying it ain't yeah. gonna be on me. <laughs> it ain't gonna be on me. And so you learn young at the playground, all of that stuff, just how to, you know, when it's time to take your turn, yeah. you know, and, and how to take a hard foul, how to get hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all of this stuff you learn, uh, you know, that I don't think these kids are really, really getting like we did. You know, we didn't. They're getting it, skill. They're not getting experience. Yeah, and experience is what gives you that. Ugh, like it's that. Not, it's, like it's, literally, it's, it's, it's like different. think about it. If you Tina Thompson and you a 11-year-old girl in a gym with Cedric Sabalas, Chris Mills, a young David Fisdale when I can hoop, you know, like, <laughs> like, how do you get in that? How do you break through to that, right? And... But I tell you what happened, what really helped her was every blue moon, Reggie and Cheryl would come through mm -hmm. and hoop at Robinson. Reggie and Cheryl Miller. Mm -hmm. Cynthia and Eric Cooper always came up to mm -hmm. Robinson to hoop. So she was a little girl and she saw them women come through there. Lisa would come through sometime because mm -hmm. Lisa's a little bit older than me. She was at Morningside. They would come through and hoop. So as a little girl, she would see this and she was like, at some point, I'm about to get on this court. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that built something to her a grit, you know what I mean? Like me and her brother telling her, no, nah, go home, stop following yep, us. Yep, yep. Nope. And she just kept coming and kept showing up. And now you look at this girl, I mean, girl, she's a woman oh, and she's a four-time champ or something like that. And Hall of Fame, I went to the Hall of Fame to see her go in, but that don't happen on its own. Like there's a something that came out of that mud. You're getting, you're you getting know? denied. Yeah. You, you're seeing something yeah. that, you gotta remember <laughs> that, that Robinson Park is the WNBA at that moment. You know, and like, like I need to get there, so I'm gonna get. train. <laughs> I'm gonna train just to be. That, that was me. She would go outside with a kid named Olin. He probably go see this one day. What's up, O? With a kid named Olin, not much young, maybe my age, and they would get up shots, and she would work on her skills <laughs> and all of that stuff, over and over and over. Just, just so they can play in the gym. And when she, because she knew she, I'm gonna get one mm -hmm. shot, and if I screw <laughs> this up, they ain't never let me play again. And when she got on that court, we knew right away. It was like, Tina's a baller. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, it was like, I came back from college, and it was like, 
Tina's the best player in the country. Like, think about it. This girl lived in my apartment building right there while we in the hood getting shot at and cracked being sold. And this little girl is blooming right under my nose. And now look at her. She coached at University of Virginia. I mean, her career is it's a movie, what she's done. But so. you know that, that that has been going on in basketball sports, too, for generations. There's always the kid that's overlooked, underrated, uh, forgotten about. And that just fuels them. So more no, and more we and more. Know, we know. You, you know. We got to remember. You yeah. know. You can see it. You can see every single day yeah. they're there working, playing, but, trying but to get the ones that's just, around just, them. You just want a shot. Just, yeah. but they want a shot, but like, no, 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 no. But wait we your beat turn, them down. Like, yeah. We had to wait our Everybody turn. Everybody had to wait their <laughs> wait turn. Your turn. Like I had to and wait. And it was turn. literally like I just vividly I remember my time of taking the ball and saying, "No, nah, y'all gonna let me play." <laughs> and I vividly remember being on the court and we was hooping, and I just I think one of us threw a pass and it got stolen. I thought it was the other team, <laughs> and it was her on the court. This little girl saying, "Nope, it's my run." Yeah. That was it. And that's it just everyone has to go through that gauntlet. And I just don't think this generation goes through that gauntlet like we had to on a basket from a basketball standpoint. You know, the AAU thing is just so structured. And I think what it does is it, it makes them numb to losing sometimes because they play yes. five games a day. Mm -hmm. and numb like, to losing. They're numb right? to losing. You, get, you, you play five games in a day and you lose two, but you got 30 every game. Like... There's no championship. Like, I've been going no, to tournaments. Yeah. I'm like, is Everybody there a championship? Participation trophies like, and shit. There's no like, championship? It's like, no, we just came here to play three games. And it's like, All right, so, yeah. so you got a solution for that? How do we fix the system? You know what I think? You know what I mean? Okay. Honestly, I mean, this is going to sound. <laughs> Let's get it out. Well, I liked how it used to be. Yeah. I liked where, one, you had to stay in your neighborhood with the people that, that's around your area if you're going to play AAU. You, like, none of this shit you get to travel or go play for a team somewhere else. Like, our AAU was one of the best AAU teams in the country when I was in, going into my senior year. But it is everybody I named you, to, to you earlier was Gumby from Westchester, or was Stace Bozeman and Dominique Ellison. Damn, I forget my big Samoan homie name uh, that was with them. But all of them was on our AAU team. We was all basically in the same. Dominique Ellison, who played for Morningside's mom, was the secretary to our principal at Fremont. That's how close everybody was, and we all had to play together. So, but see that I, I back, think back that, then was yeah. more. It was like kind of like it was still like advanced park league. Yeah, That's but you traveled together. So yeah. it was Slam and Jam. It was called Slam and Jam. Yep, Izzy Washington, Slam and <laughs> Jam. Rich Goldberg had yep. a, uh, ARC. 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 <laughs> that was me all day. ARC was the Valley team. Jay Kidd came down and played for ARC. I remember back in the day from Oakland, but. That, that was the Valley team. Slamming Jam was the city. And on the Slamming Jam, it was a California seniors and the California juniors was the main team. And we was the seniors, that team I named, and the juniors, who was good, God, good. Jock Vaughn, Charles O'Bannon, mm, yes. uh, Ricky Price, um, uh, Toby Bailey. I mean, was, they had us. Uh, we used to kick their ass. Was, they, uh, they was kick that, but they was bad. Was Thomas Prince on that team? Uh, Tommy Prince wasn't on that team. Did Tommy play on that team? But you know, that's my man. Yeah. Tommy was, <laughs> was nice. Tommy was really nice. That's Tayshawn's <laughs> older Tayshawn, brother. Yep. The, Tommy was, nice. was real nice. I don't know if Tommy might have played on that team, actually. Nice. But that squad was, oof. Avondre Jones. Uh, I mean, they really had a, 
a lot of those guys ended up playing, getting a sniff in the league or playing in the league. Our team was gangster. We was, but the I thing think I was the only dude that made it to the league. And I was as a coach. <laughs> that rest of them dudes are so hood. You kidding me? The, the thing I'm thinking of, though, is the common thread on that is you're familiar with, if they're from your neighborhood, kids that you go to school yeah. with, kids that you hang out with after school, you're going to hoop with, that'll make you a better team because well, you have you immediate have, chemistry. Well, you don't have that element of buying players in. Right, that's that's what we said that's earlier. That's the part that yeah. gets eliminated by that because the money came into the deal or the endorsements or whatever you want to call what they give kids, that came to the deal when it was okay for them to leave their area. Mm-hmm. Right? If you knew you had to stay in your area, what did I, I don't have to give you shit. You want you want to be you seen. Be on the scene, you want to yeah. be seen by college coaches? Yeah. Get your butt to practice at six o'clock. So that was our deal. That, you know, all the our three <laughs> yeah. or four dudes from Westchester, my dudes from Morningside, us. That's how we came together. You know, and that was how our, and my assistant high school coach was our coach. So it was all connected that way. Now, I don't, I just, it's guys moving out of the, Dude, and now they're moving out of state. They're moving out of state, state yeah. bro. I'm like, man, especially this year. But <laughs> middle class support, ass parents. But they ain't really middle know, class ass parents. I'm it's like, just some, some. I've never, like, I've never, I've with never that. witnessed like, you know, they moved out of the, a state high school. Like moved out of the state to go, to go play at another high school I, or across the country, across, not even driving. Like so that's what I'm saying. That until that's dealt with, we got inv- we got investigated. You go to you transfer to school, school, and you ain't in a district. Oh, you was where do you live again? You it was this address it. don't say because your because your competitors <laughs> and the rival <laughs> high schools like Gilbert Arenas does not, not live in that area. Yeah, though. Yeah, he lives right here. They He's <laughs> in ours. He's in our neighborhood. <laughs> I know because I know his mom. Yeah, yeah. Knock on the door. Make sure you live there. So that eliminates it's a lot of the mess in that just that part of it you know and I, I just hope you know I know it's a lot of I, I got I had a talk the other day with some guys who are investing in these um you know these academies that are now these basketball academies that are kind of shaking up AAU a little bit and now start especially a lot of these kids who may not be great in, in school who need extra work mm-hmm. and stuff like that who have big time talent which a lot of times, if we, we all know this, that's happened over the course of history. Guys have come into school and had to leave school early because they're not, mm-hmm. they can't handle it, yeah. right? They weren't prepared through high school. And then, but they're not good enough to be in the league. So then they just fall through the wayside. You know, luckily we got the G League really jump-started now. So that helps. But it's kids that's falling through the cracks earlier than that now due to their circumstances, right? And so... You know, it's a lot of little things come popping up right now that's starting to address some of that stuff. But I just like to see guys get back to just play with the guys in your neighborhood because it also has a chain reaction effect, not to get too far away from this, but because this is a, a lane I play in, but we've lost sense of community. Right? People don't know their neighbors no more. Mm-hmm. Like when I was growing up, my neighbor could smack me in the head and send me home and then call my mom <laughs> and say, Your kid was down here acting up and I smacked him in the head. And then I get my ass whooped when I got home, right? <laughs> But I, we knew Mr. Avery. We knew yep. this guy. We knew, and so, but now we don't because our kids ain't doing the same stuff together, right? And that's that's why sports is the great it's unifier the because it always baby. it always unifies your community. You have always. Sandlot baseball, you know, park basketball. You know, the funny even 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 from the the professional standpoint, mm-hmm. they don't even realize how strong. Like when I heard the story of. Um, Kawhi Leonard asking for Paul George in Toronto. And I'm Toronto and I want Kawhi Leonard. Right. Why wouldn't I want Paul George? 
this is all he's asking for is someone that he's familiar with. And he's good. And then, yeah, they're all stuck. If that's all he's asking for, why wouldn't I do that? What, what, is the, what is the backside of it? Because I know if I tell him no, what's going what, what's gonna to happen? Right. <laughs> well, you know, I think a guy like, especially too, you got to know, know your people too. Because a guy like Kawhi probably ain't going to ask for a lot. Right? And so, like, I, that's the first time I ever heard that. But, but you know, you know that a guy like that, I, I know for a fact, is he is really loyal to the yep. people that he came through with and he who he came up with. And so, because that's how I am. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. that's just, you know, I still got buddies. I, I They piss me off because they still out there screwing up. But they my boys forever. Mm-hmm. And I trust them. And I know that when they go down. And so when a guy who you know came through some hard stuff to get where he is, ask for something who's not a big ass, that's a tough one not to I know, and, I, and when I heard, I'm like, because was, he was there He, he uh, the night before, he showed up, and that was his only request. I'm like, how do you not do that? That's, woo. And I mean, unless you're just like, all right, we want to get rid of the organization. But I mean, it's like, if I'm trying to win, I just won a championship, right. and I'm still trying to. You saw to- what the Clippers did. They <laughs> gave up the house. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? The Clippers said, but, here's the picks. <laughs> Sam Presti got said. I told I said on TV though, I said Sam Presti is gonna be take more uh uh Adam Silver's spot on the podium and just do the whole draft. Because they got they all, all the picks. The- <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. That's smart. When you are, when you are a, a, a small market team, that's a great strategy to load up on those picks right. and, and really build your team. Cause you're not gonna attract the free agents that every all these other school, these yep. these uh cities that we were talking about are gonna attract. You gonna have to. You gotta land some guys through the crops, mm-hmm. right? You gotta bring them. You gotta get them through the draft, and then maybe make some trades with those picks to go get some talent and bring in. And then if you get enough guys in place, then you can start attracting some free agents. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, drafted Westbrook, drafted Durant, drafted Jeff Green, right? Mm-hmm. All of those guys. Ibaka was Ibaka a draft trade? What was that? I think they drafted him. They drafted, him. They drafted Harden, yeah. by the way. So Harden, they drafted Harden. That's like right. they, they're 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 like to a top three in drafting. All mm-hmm. of those guys was draft picks. None of them were free agents mm-hmm. going there. So that's my point. Is he built a team that went to the finals and played us mm-hmm. through the draft through young people. And I think he's he's right on track to do that again, especially with that point guard. I love that kid. Shay. Uh, Shay. Ooh, I like him. That time, because. There's some history here we know, and there's yeah. some things that you have in mind, so it's time to ask Agent Zero. Here's my question. First off, I want to say this. Top 10 nickname of all time, Agent Zero, because <laughs> you played like that. that was, that's why it, it was so perfect, because you was literally like, I used to play this video game when I was younger, the James Bond, Goldeneye, yeah, yeah, you remember yeah. that old game? Yeah, yeah. And you had the sniper, and the, yeah. you was you, Agent Zero is as good as it gets when it comes to a, a nickname that fits, all right? <laughs> so that's first, but here's my ask. How would you have fared in this new NBA in the land of the point guard, the guys that you see playing that position today? Would you still have been an all-star? I would have uh, 40. I would say, remember when you're asking? Think about that. Well, I just 40. want to hear it. That's the whole point, because I, I know average, my man. I would average 40, and the, the reason is this. I played like James Harden and Westbrook, right? That you did. But they don't have Shaquille O'Neal's McGlores to stop me. They don't don't have that big man to actually keep me out of there. 
You can't. You know, like so if I'm if I'm scoring 45 and there's a Shaq and an Alonzo Mourning that's coming behind him, right. you don't have that. Now your your biggest guy is your four man, and now you're trying to switch every like you're switching your biggest guy on you. Me. No, one fourth flat. Meet you at the. You know, so it's it it would have been the James Harden without the dribbles. I didn't need. I don't need no. to bang. No. I don't need to do this. I'm just gonna go and go. No, nah, like you I, was you was. I'm uh, just gonna yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. You didn't mess around. It you was, know, so it was it was this. <laughs> yeah. And that's that. That's where that, that's where that name called because I would just see you so many times. Just get that thing. Just that wrist flick, or you was just bop, and it was like. And then now with the the, the guard and I set in the post. Now I'm sitting in the post. And that help guy is not a big anymore because all bigs are lifted, you, you know. So I was like, I'll have, I'll be in the thirty-seven. I, I think 40s. you would have, you know, because there's, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's just dependent on the game. I was like, the way my style was, it was either get to the basket, three right. mid-range. Well, I think the what, reason why I agree with you on this, and and I really do agree, is because of what you said. But I also think. There's the number of possessions in the game now. Mm -hmm. So now this game is being played like, like this. That. That's more shots in the game. Mm -hmm. That style of play really fits you. <laughs> and like nobody made a big fuss about it back then as much as they probably should have. But you was making shots from the center circle. I remember one vividly in Atlanta. I wanted to kill you. <laughs> this dude was, we was trapping him. He's in the circle. Dancing. We about to run a trap to him. He just shoots. <laughs> <laughs> and then hits all, I'm like, he didn't even watch it go in, actually. He shot it, and he left. And it hit all that. And I looked at Woody, and I'm like, I don't know what defense. I ain't got no, that's the best guy report I'm going to give you on him. Because I can't, I don't know what, and he was doing that, you know, before it became this real big deal. You know, like Steph and them do it now. And yeah, I said, hey, listen, I started this Steph turning into a whole they turn into, thing. They do it like, you know, <laughs> that's, but, that's but he turn around right now. You, I'm saying you do that. You know, back in the day where you would pull just from places I couldn't believe. I remember Joe Johnson would do that sometimes because he's just so strong. It's just like he would do this to yeah, you. Yeah. That's where ISO Joe came from. We yeah. were playing Boston and they was doing the same thing to us in the playoff. Hey, KG trapping them and posing them. Joe just finally said, this is the best shot I'm going to get. Yeah, yeah. And he was roping them. And, and I was like, that's what that's a shooter there. Mm -hmm. And now we got Dame doing that. Yep. And that's, but see, that was the funniest. People didn't understand. Like, people like, why are you one for flat? I was like, because you didn't realize, like, they running was, people like they're, they're running, they're, they're trapping, <laughs> we this defense set. Like, uh, I don't hide. Like, they knew the game plan. The game plan is they didn't was not watch him that. Play. So it's like. And you still drop 40, and we, 50 We have to do one for, I got to, this is the best option right now. T-Mac <laughs> would do that. <laughs> yep, T-Mac. would be doing that. We he threw the right. whole sink at T-Mac when he had 62. There's nothing you can do. And I try to guard him. We put Brendan Haywood on him. He's sitting like. What am I doing? <laughs> I was like, was like, okay, Brendan, we gonna you gonna challenge a shot? We are gonna push him to the basket? He said, "All right, three, That's six, ten, further three, six, <laughs> ten with handle over the top rope, unguardable, unguardable." You know, and so it was guys that was doing that stuff, but now it's just a part of the it's game. It's a part of the game. Right. Well, say and, this, and that, not to cut you off, because people would kill you if you do that too much. Yes. Okay, well, well, yeah, you, you, we heard your point yeah. of view from your sideline. What did they? What did Eddie and those guys say when you were in your huddle? About me shooting like that? Yeah. Nothing. Because that, you got to remember. Was going in. It was going in. I was in the gym 24-7. Yeah. So before practice, Eddie's seeing where I'm shooting from. We're, they're they're Man, watching me. So when I did it in the game, I was like, that's what he does. So like. And it went well, in. But that's why, like, 
with my teammates, we never argued about shots because we practiced them. Uh-huh. Like, so they so, knew what so, you could do. So if Deshaun Stevenson was one for eight and he got it and he still shot it. it and he did this in the middle of his shot, that's what he did. We're not going to... like right. that, You don't that, want to disrupt that. that that's that's what the he part did. of success. That's what he does. Quran, I pass up. Like, when I made passes to Quran, I knew I wasn't getting an assist because he had a rhythm. He going to dance. He, gonna, he got to get dance. the ball wide open, he gonna dance, dance boom, boom. and boom, shoot boom. the same shot. Like, wide open, he's going to bounce it. The guy's going to get on him. He's going to pump fake. The guy's going to jump. He's going to jump while he jumps. Same shot. He gets the two points, no assist. But that was part of it. So it's, it was, that was his game. That was his game. He couldn't mess it up. Like, yo, shoot the ball. I wouldn't. There was none of that chasing assist. We did not. I don't care about your chase. I mean, get I'm about to play how I got to play. Because if you think about it, the, probably one of the most unorthodox players in the league was Antoine Jackson. Mm-hmm. But... You just had to give him his room yeah, to do what he do, and just you just got to watch it. That's what I said. Like it was unbelievable be, what he would do, though. You had to be smart and understand this is this is their games. Like so, we didn't. There was no bumping. Like people were like you yeah, never you, heard no cat you, nothing you, come out of y'all. You're gonna like average that. five assists. Like I, I average way more than five assists. That's five assists on paper. Right. But listen, I have a guy who averages twenty. I have another guy who averages nineteen. I have a guy right. who averages twelve. Another guy who averages that 13. ain't happen because the ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody's no passing the ball. We're yeah. doing we're doing what we do here. No Just don't look at our stats like that. No, it's, you got to know who your guys are. Well, yeah, as a coach, know yeah. your personnel. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. And if, if I had that, mm-hmm. listen, I had Mike Conley bombing away. Are you kidding me? If I had a, a big old agent zero out there, so no I'd disrespect be like, to Mike. He's a, no, no, he, no, Mike is a baller. Mike when is I my to, man. When I went to Memphis, like I've never seen someone so calm. All He's the, the greatest dude on the <laughs> I don't care what nobody's... If somebody came to me and said one bad word about Mike Conley, that's it. I'm going to jail. Because yeah. I know they lying and they out together because that's the best dude. I mean, he is really like... He's the best teammate I think I've ever seen overall. Like, he empathizes with everybody, everybody in the locker everybody. room. And, you know, when I got there, the league had changed. So it was I had an opening to, to really unleash him, you know, and... and a big part of that was Mark started shooting threes. I got Mark to shoot like four threes a game. And all of a sudden, people was like, damn, Conley can who? He, he, he went from 16 to 22 just because the floor opened. And if that same offensive system, you throw a guy who was born to score. You know, Mike naturally is unselfish. He's, he's, just, he's a guy trying to get everybody a shot. But this dude's born to score. You put him in that. And that's how these teams are playing now. You know, nobody's making up anything really new. You know what I mean? These things, we all copy each other for the mm-hmm. most part. A couple of little actions here and there that's unique and mm-hmm. or some shit that we're revisiting from 10 years mm-hmm. ago that people forgot about. But overall, everybody's doing kind of the same stuff. And if you got a guy at the head of the snake that can shoot from 35 feet, <laughs> that mm-hmm. can just bomb, that changes your team tremendously. And when you don't have it, it's tough too. Like, so you... It's, you do want to be on the other side of where everybody can go under your pick and rolls and, and really bog down your offense. But if you got a guy like him or like these Stephs and Dames and Kyrie and these guys, the way they – you give them the ball, you open up that floor, you put them in a situation with a guy they don't want to switch with, and you, you're right. You would have averaged I was, I was, mid to high 30s like James. Yep. And, you know, and, and but yours would have been different, though. I feel like James's all came in a very similar way out of the high pick and roll for the most part Mm -hmm. that led to an ISO. Yours would have been coming off of stuff. Yours would have been posting. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. you had so much, you had a menu 
Yeah. You had a menu in your in your deal. And I'm not saying James can't post, but he just didn't in that system. He wasn't a post. It wasn't part wasn't of the deal. Part of that, yeah. Like you even know? Joe Johnson. I'm like, man, right. if Joe Johnson was in his head, he had such a complex that offense he had in 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 Atlanta, I'm like, man, he has the best. We ran everything for him. I said he had the he has the best fucking options. We was putting ever. him on the elbow in the post. <laughs> we had him Bank Street upstairs. Yeah, we was giving him, he we was just putting him in every possible dynamic situation. Uh, you know, but you think about now, what if we would have just said, here, Joe, and here's a pick and roll. Shit, Joe might have scored 30 plus a game because yeah. he because he's so efficient, he don't miss, yeah. you know, and from all like you said, all ranges. All ranges. 15 feet, floaters, finishes at the rim, regular three, the four point three. <laughs> you know, like that's I, how y'all all had all of I that. I remember when we was getting drafted, 2001 draft, and all I kept hearing is Joe Johnson, this is a special type of talent, right? So we go to Boston, right? We go to Washington. Me and him match up together. Oh, and the, and the workout. Yeah, one four flat. Oh, easy. Seven oh, seven oh, seven oh, seven oh, seven oh. Ball. Yeah, I'm like, ain't nothing special about that, right there. Play him again. Nothing. So I'm like, they, they don't, who are they, they talking, talking about? about? Right? He playing Boston. Nothing. I see him in in Phoenix. Phoenix. I'm like, okay. <laughs> when he got to Atlanta, That's I'm like, you like there he is. There it is. That's what they saw. There, that's I see it. That well, is. I tell you one like thing. Like I seen the you see the glimpses in 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 Phoenix. You saw it coming in Phoenix. But when he became, you're the guy. Let's he became see. a whole nother guy. I'm like, man, this man is. And we nice, went. Nice. And he, as soon as he got there, we was like, all right. He he was it was pretty good in the post, but we really went to work. Mm -hmm. And how I thought D Wade picked up post game pretty fast. For whatever reason, I think because the pace that Joe played at, mm -hmm. the post was made, was made for him. So it was that he just had, he knew how to slap you off. Yep. He knew how to spin off. He had all of it mm -hmm. in his package. And it was just like telling him, this is okay to do. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that happened, he had this, he, he taught me. You know, most guys, right-handed guys, when they go first step, it's touch and go, right? Mm -hmm. Or boom, boom. And, and you, he stepped across, yep. and touch and go. Yep. <laughs> And when I saw that footwork, I was like, oh, I'm teaching That's, that. We called it the Joe Johnson. The Joe Johnson. <laughs> the Joe it was Johnson. a touch. It was like he was, he was saying all the time, I'm just putting my toe in the water. Yep. Boom. And as soon as that footwork hit the ground, he gone. Yep. And you either fouled him or he was at the mm. basket because he wasn't fast. Nope. He was just big and strong. But you're talking about a guy that really understood how to score buckets, man. I mean, he was. And he, what people don't realize, you know, the term country strong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, Joe yeah, from Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if Joe grab you or hits you, you like. You felt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a big dude. Like, you realize, you finally realize, like, this dude is big. Like, he ain't like no regular two guard. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. and he played the two bus. So you looking at that, and he was just, uh, I mean, he's a special player. I just, I, I, I love, and we brought him to Miami. Uh, he got bought out somewhere. It might have been Cleveland or somebody. He ended up coming to Miami and almost helping us get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Was this After we, we, we played, uh, we lost to Toronto in game seven the year, uh, my last year in Miami. Um, and he, he came, we bought it, he got bought out and he came there and played for us. He had a great end of the year. You, you saw what he did in Utah. He was, yeah, yeah, he was knowing uh, his game winners like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he don't even breathe. The dude is just cold, like, huh? he cold, man. He a cold, cold player, man. But he was, he's a good dude. He was fun to coach, competitive as hell. He was a pro. You never had to tell him. 
You know, you know how to tell Joe nothing, really. The only time that me and Joe had a crossword was we was down too old to Boston, and that was my scout. And I just had to. I, I was scout. like, I was like, I was a younger sister too, and I was feisty as hell. And I said, man, I gotta get us. We gotta at least win one game mm -hmm. in the series. And that's when Boston won it. The year uh -huh. they won it was one eight series. And I, I asked Woody. I said, Woody, let me go off on Joe before the game. <laughs> He's like, do what you want to do. He was like, ain't nobody expecting us to win anyway. Shit. So I get up, I'm about to do my prep and all of that. And I said, you know what, none of this shit matter. Mm -hmm. I said, if you don't start playing like an $80 million player, an all-star, we ain't got a fucking chance. Mm -hmm. And now I'm worried because he's crazy and he's quiet. And he's just <laughs> sitting there looking at me. You know, the quiet dudes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't know if they on or off sometimes. <laughs> so I'm yelling at him, but I'm looking at him. He's just looking at me. And I'm like, all right, I'm hoping this gamble works. Who did he come out? You got all the, he got the respect of that whole, so I guarantee you ask KG, you ask any of them dudes that played against him, Joe Johnson earned their respect yeah. in that series because he went off. That's where the name came from. ISO yeah, Joe was born in that series because we couldn't run anything else to score on them. That's mm -hmm. the best defense we seen. Tim's was the defensive coach. Yeah. Doc was running the show. KG didn't even care about scoring. He, all he wanted to do was stop oh. you. And that's what I tell, I tell right. like people, I said, this between the playoffs and players is, when you get that booklet in the playoffs, they know everything you're possibly going to do. So if everything. you get off in the playoffs, you are an actual player. You're a baller. You're, you're a baller. Because they have, they have went over, they've had days to go over your game. See, like mm -hmm. during the season, I might be playing you on a back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. We got a film session in the hotel yep. earlier that morning, and then <laughs> we're going to go play against you, right? And so... Yeah, you ain't gonna know all the tricks of the trade that you're dealing with when you're dealing with a Gilbert Arenas or a good James Harden or somebody like that. But in the playoffs, you really got time to like put together, like you said, a booklet, a film, you know, collage. Mm -hmm. You got analytics now. Like you got everything you need to know about a guy. So if you get off in the playoffs, like Jamal Murray did. Yeah, you are you are good. You're good. You're like good. that when he, <laughs> what that kid did, like. That was impressive. I don't give a shit if that shit was on Mars in a bubble. Yep. I don't care where he did it. Like the blessings of the playoffs really tells you who can ball. Who can ball? Like mm -hmm. I, like regular season stats and regular season team. That don't mean nothing until well, the playoffs. That's why I like Giannis's response to everybody. Like, look, okay, I, I didn't fail, mm -hmm. but the great ones have had to go through this, yes. you know. And and the heavy is the head. You know? yep. People forget how bad LeBron had it. Like how how critical the the press was and and everybody was of him throughout his career yeah. losing year after year losing year after year getting there and losing not doing this not doing that then it comes to us and we lose to Dallas mm -hmm. he was getting ripped apart ripped but you think about that we talk almost like the the pickup scenario you need that he needed that oh, like when man. he left Cleveland it had that had been several years it just amplified year after year after year so Miami was a great new location but it wasn't over right. that added more to it oh, but that, that he was dallas at that deal, point built for yeah, it the dallas deal got i think it was good for i hate to lose the finals but it helped us as a staff figure out how to coach lebron because mm -hmm. at the end of the day you get this mega talent that was way before people was playing small that was no one was playing small ball only thing that had played small up to that point truly was that golden state team that pulled off that miracle the, the, uh, the We Believe Warriors. The We Believe Warriors. Yep. You know, Don Nelson stuff, right? Yep. So that was the small ball. Other than that, nobody had been playing real small ball around that time. And so when we got them, 
we stayed with what we had made us successful anyway. Mm-hmm. And D-Wade was thriving in it, so we figured LeBron would thrive in it. And we learned a hard lesson that, you know, it ain't fit. Oh. Everybody don't fit into the same, you know, you can't fit a square peg into a round hole all the time. And so we had to change because everybody was ripping him about the Dallas series. But I'm like, me and Spoke sitting here saying, no, that's us. Because we putting up a big in his way. Yep, and right? that was... We putting a big in his way. He's the first, he's a rim yep. runner. He's getting to the strong side post. LeBron's got the ball with a guy in the corner and he's got nowhere to go. And he's shooting 17, mm-hmm. 17 foot contested shots by long ass Sean Marion. Mm-hmm. And Stevenson's crazy ass, your mm-hmm. boy. Mm-hmm. And, but we're putting him in that situation. And me and Spo have owned that. Mm-hmm. And our coaching staff owned that. We was like, we changing right now. We was up at 4.35 the next morning after we lost to Dallas. In the office, mm-hmm. teared up me and Spo. We ain't losing no more. Mm-hmm. That day, what we learned from that, we said, nope, we're going to get this dude as much space as possible. And when we flipped that switch, and he went into his cave, because it was a lockout that year after mm-hmm. we lost to Dallas. Yep. And I mean, he was in a cave. Like, probably his, I guarantee if you ask him, you know, other than if see somebody, he lost somebody in his family or something before, his darkest moments of basketball in his mind and heart was. Oh, yeah, that's when Dark Zero, was it Dark Zero? Uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, that's where that came from, yeah. right after he that. He came yeah. out of there, and it was like, everything came together perfectly. System, his mentality, yeah. and that was the year we played Boston, uh, in Boston, down 3-2, and he had that game, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. oh, my God, game. Well, that was his coming up. That was his game where he said, enough. Yeah, that was his enough, enough game. And and, <laughs> and that, that was the team. That was the Boston team. That team was still Boston. Yes, still stacked. And they still had Rondo, Ray Allen, KG, mm-hmm. Paul. Paul hit the shot in game five. To, to he, They thought they were staying in Boston. Paul <laughs> told me. He was like, Fizz, I just knew. Uh-huh. It was no way, y'all. He said, man, and that boy came out the first quarter. He was like, oh, shit. <laughs> this is it, you know, and, and you know, that was his, that was, I really believe that game was the game that, that where he just said enough is enough and I'm about, to, and all great players go through that gauntlet, you know, they don't talk a lot about it, but Jordan went through, mm-hmm. man, they lost a long time. Yeah, that's what I said, is they, yeah. They lost a Detroit long time. punished him physically, oh, mentally, emotionally. God. Just every which way you could torture a team, mm-hmm. Boston. Uh-huh. The Celtics was torturing them. Like you, it was a gauntlet for him, and so you know they, you got to go through that stuff most of the time. Uh-huh. The, one of the few great players, you know, Magic didn't have to go through as much of the gauntlet or Bird. <laughs> or Bird. Well, but they had the rivalry. To but push they went back and forth. forth. They went back and forth. But they walked into the league as arguably the best players in the league. They was top ten for uh-huh. sure. I mean, Magic as a rookie uh-huh. played center and won, won, won the, the finals. finals. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was the first basketball game I ever watched as a little kid on a black and white TV. And this dude was 19, 20 years old. And he like, don't worry about Kareem. I got this. <laughs> and he did it, right? And Bird was that way. Like, people don't realize, like, those dudes walked into the league and then, but most guys kind of got to go through hell. But, but that's why I said, it's, it's like, like I, that's why, I, like, yeah. when we first started, it's, it's hard to put your perspective on something if you didn't go through it the way they did. So, you know, we can sit here and like, Jordan didn't have the lead, Bird didn't have the lead. Yeah, they didn't have to. Cause they was, yeah. when they walked into it, like when Bird walked, he walked into Dynasty. Magic walked into Dynasty. People wanted That's to be with why. them. So you can't judge as LeBron's path off of the Look at the Laker different. roster. If you look at that Laker roster over the course of Magic's time there, 
and you look at Brian's roster over the course of his time in Cleveland, Hall of Famers. Bob McAdoo was coming off the bench for the Lakers. Yes. The great Bob McAdoo, one of the greatest. He was KD before they ever heard of a KD. This mm -hmm. dude was a bona fide bucket getter at 6'10", 6'11". And he was coming off the bench for the Lakers. You had big game James on that team. You had Byron Scott. You had Cap on that team. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just... So it was different. Bird, Dennis Johnson. Kevin McHale, Robert Ferris. I, I said like one of them. There oh, was one boss. They had four players that was Hall of Famers, and they were bench players. I'm like, Dude, what? They had Bill Walton coming <laughs> off the bench. They had crazy stuff. LeBron didn't have all of that. He didn't have all of that. So once he got to us, he joined up with a couple yeah. of guys that we're gonna see. And that's and that's and that's what I'm saying. And that's yeah. what made. That's what people are like. Your legacy is tainted. Well, no. What he had before, we should be grateful they even made it to the right. playoffs, let alone the championship. If you, if you look at it, and those are solid players. I loved all those. Hughes and yeah. you know, Gauskas who came to Miami with us. You know, uh, uh, Verzhao was on all of those they were, dudes. They were good. They had solid. They had good. They, they were solid. Good basketball yeah. team. Mike Brown, my man, was coaching the hell out of them. I mean, it they, they it just was in championship. But you gotta have. Team. You gotta have. Some extra. He didn't have win. the horsepower. Yeah, those yeah other but that's guys what I'm saying. That so Jordan losing, you can't compare that to Jordan. Yeah, that's what I said. It's like sometimes we just need to sit back and just right. look at the situations and judge them on its and own. Once he situation. got his Scottie Pippen, he started winning yes. titles, right? Same with Brown. Once he got mm -hmm. his D Wade, mm -hmm. he started and Chris Bosch, he started winning his titles. You gotta have help. Mm -hmm. no, you can't you just like this this league is it's unforgiving. It's really mm -hmm. unforgiving. And, and one of the most unique teams to win it recently was the Toronto team. Because I mm -hmm. felt like that was much more of a balanced team. Yep. Top to bottom, they were really balanced. They just needed a star to get them over the hump. And that's where Kawhi, I thought, mm -hmm. took them over the hump. But they had really good balance. The two guards, you know, uh, Lowry mm -hmm. and Van Fleet, you know, mm -hmm. even Norman Powell coming off the bench for him was just a talented dude that could mm -hmm. score. You know, Pascal yeah, was coming into yeah. so Pascal's coming to him. And then... That's where you're seeing them really struggle now, is they don't have them two stretch bigs. Marcus Gasol, stretch big, great passer. Ibaka, stretch big, great defender. They don't have them now, and they look a lot different under the circumstances. <laughs> a lot different. Right? They do. It's like, but you can't, that's a lot to lose, man. You lose those two, you don't have Kawhi no more on that right. team. Like, you're taking some lumps from a roster yeah. standpoint. You know what I mean? And so, but you gotta have, you need a sidekick or two now to really get it done. I mean, For KD. Part, two. Mm -hmm. yeah. two. And, and, and you know, the other thing too is that let's, let's, the, the, it's different because back in the day, it was really set up for you to stay with the same team for your whole career. And it was really frowned upon if you left. Mm -hmm. This generation is not that. They have taken control of their career. They ain't getting caught into that whole loyalty trap of I got to stay here my whole career just because mm -hmm. I started here. They're gonna go to the best situation for them and their family, whether it's financial or playing or living, and you know what I mean. And they know that they have that power now, and so having that power as a free agent has changed the game. And to be realistic about this generation, and I think this is one of the knocks on this generation, is I think they they the generation of the transfer. We didn't transfer high school. We didn't change AAU teams. <laughs> we didn't leave our college. We didn't do all. That no, was a no. rare thing. Yeah, if you, rare. It's like you got pushed to the limits if you had to if transfer. <laughs> These dudes is out. Yeah, yeah. AAU oh, team, they lead the AAU team. They leave their high schools. They leave their college. They they change midstream on what college <laughs> yeah, they're going yeah. to. So, so to see them doing this at free agency now, 
Well, that's like, that surprise what, what, what do you want? Do you want the loyalty to be there or do you no, want them to take... Are, I'm going to put myself in a mess situation Which is exactly what, that's what you it saw LeBron did, you, uh, KD did, They're all doing that AD now. just did. Basically. No, I'm gonna, I want to be successful. You're going to yeah. judge me off success. So I'm going to go somewhere. Yeah, you can't have it both ways. Like, yeah, you, you can't say you're judging me on success, but I got to stay in the, with this in this one spot. Because yeah. right? I, I think you get to a point where you're, I only gave, I gave you so much. I gave you everything I Absolutely. got and I hit this window where... Brown was in his, he, he was in his prime. Play, He's like, I'm in my prime window. Players are understanding now is I don't want to, you know, no offense to Charles no. Barkley. No. I don't want to wait till I can't really do it anymore to yeah. chase this championship. Right. When I'm by 20, the time he really got after it, it, it was too late. Was I'm, 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 I'm a little older. No, I mean, he moved. He went from Philly to Phoenix. It was in the finals that next season. Yeah, but then, but that's what I'm saying. But then, then when he was saying it was like, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I don't have it. I can't really yeah. help like I suppose. He wasn't to be. a big three like he yeah. used to be. Now, yeah. you know, now these kids, I'm 28, 27. Ah. Right. No, I'm, 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 look at Ka Ka Kyrie and KD. We want to play together. Yeah, we want to play together. We're going to determine where we go together. And, and I, I would rather it be that way because this is a business. Mm -hmm. And these are businessmen. And that's why I don't even like the role that they can't come out of high school. So you telling me if I was 17, 18 years old and I came up with an app, I can't make money off of it? Mm -hmm. That's bullshit. Mm -hmm. If my body can perform mm -hmm. the task at hand, I should be able to do it. And now the fact that we got the, the our G League is awesome. The way that we run it and how organized mm -hmm. it is and the way we use it to, to bring guys along. So we have something to catch the guys that fall through the cracks mm -hmm. if it doesn't work out because they're too young or something like that. But I don't feel like it's right because I just feel like this is professional basketball. Mm -hmm. You don't get to tell anybody else when they can do it, when they can't do it, or where they're going to work, where they're not going to work. If I'm if I'm the cre chief creative officer at this marketing firm and I want to go work at this one because they're giving me a better deal, I'm out. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> my career is better for me. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna... So I do think that guys should be able to control it. And, and we're fighting as coaches right now to try to get that kind of flexibility for assistance. You know, right now the team has the right to tell an assistant because he's under contract that if another team wants to talk to him and offer him a better, higher position on the bench, that team can refuse his right to talk to that team. That's not right, right? Like if you got a guy, a 28-year-old young assistant making $120,000 sitting behind your bench, you know, and he's got a chance to go sit on somebody's bench making you know, three hundred, four hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and it's an advancement. That shouldn't even be a question that we allow him to mm -hmm. go take that opportunity. And right now, that's a situation in the league that we got to fix. And and you, people should have that kind of leverage if it's an advancement in, in, in position. I'm not saying like I'm the second assistant here. They offer me the second position there. I should mm -hmm. be able to jump ship. Mm -hmm. But if I'm a guy that's a second assistant and I got a chance to be the associate head coach mm -hmm. or something like that, that should just be a, a just <laughs> a, a wash. Yeah, that yeah. You, you go get another second, third assistant. Let this guy take care of mm -hmm. his family and grow and give himself a chance to possibly be a head coach next. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, from a coaching standpoint, a lot of people don't know that, that that happens, but it's a real thing that happens a lot. And I just think that when you restrict people's ability to grow or make decisions what's best for them, I think you end up creating animosity, an environment of guys not, not feeling valued and things like that. So I do think we got to get that taken care of and, and get off that criticism of that bullshit of, oh, all right, he going to chase championships. He going, you damn right, because every time I look up, you're telling me I ain't got no ring. <laughs> yeah, man. Right? And so, but now what you going to say to LeBron? He done did it with three teams. 
Forget chasing rings. This dude has taken three different rosters in three different cities and won One titles chance. with them. You're chasing greatness at that That's point. That's beyond. Yeah, fuck championships. This is a whole nother deal that he's doing. Because Jordan didn't even do that. Jordan did with the Bulls, and that was amazing what Jordan did. And we obviously we all love Jordan, but you gotta respect what this guy does. That's why I don't get into that who's greater bullshit. I get pissed at it because it's like we don't even have a right to talk about it. He got a better right to talk about it than I do. <laughs> but he, none of us do. But though. if you ain't if you ain't being mentioned in the conversation, I don't think you should even be talking about the shit. Like like, like when people say who's the greater. I, I, Ask them. I'm not qualified. That, it was an old thing. I I'm a back, player, but I'm not qualified. I remember when I was a kid, it was this old story that Magic and them used to tell. And it's, and I could tell it because Patrick Ewing is a really close friend of mine. But you guys probably remember this from the Olympics back in the day. Magic and Bird and Jordan. I think it was Bird. But they all was champions at the time. And they all had rings. And they playing cards and stuff in the hotel. And Pat come in and want to go play. You know, he want to get in the card game. But they wouldn't let him in the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. You had no rings. Mm-hmm. You don't have no rings. You can't come in. And that was how it was back in the mm-hmm. day. And that's where that judgment came from. Mm-hmm. You gotta, if you want the respect of greatness, if you want to be in the conversation in the room, you gotta yeah, have the, the stuff. The to go, you gotta to be have the medal. So I don't feel like I have the credentials <laughs> to judge who is the greatest and when. And I love what Michael Jordan said. He said, you can't compare the generations. They were great in that moment for what they knew and what they understood and what they were going through, right? How can you compare Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they stopped letting him dunk. What if they would have let him keep dunking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would we, we, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, think about that. Like, that's how great he was. Well, he got five championships, Jordan got six, so one is greater than the other. Jordan shot a fadeaway. Kareem shot a skyhook from 20 feet. Didn't shoot a three. It could have all-time leading scorer. It could have with a skyhook. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how much range he had on that thing. So, my point is, I agree with Jordan. One, I don't, I don't have a say in that conversation. But two, you just can't, you can't compare. The rules was different. Like they hand checked when Jordan was in the league. Mm-hmm. You could hit, you could hand check, you could do all of that. But the big had to stay across the lane. Yeah, with the big. With the big. He could, he could step in for a count, but he had to get right back to the same side. He couldn't go across the lane. Mm-hmm. He couldn't. That's why dudes always got caught. Mm-hmm. You go baseline, yep, you can catch and you it. late, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you can get caught. That's why you saw that a lot, because the rules were different. But on the ball and in the post, it was yep. a bloodbath. Yeah. The reason they changed it was because the scoring was too low. So could Steph Curry play then? I think he could just because he has so much, but it would have been. Range, yeah. like, I look at it. If you're skilled, skill always. Skill wins. Skill wins. Skill wins. It, it, it beats brute. Skill it, wins. It beats brute. We, you, you adapt to right. it. You adapt and figure out ways. That's why, like, I think people hate this. The older generation hates the younger generation because we figured out the cheat code. Yeah. You put a rule in, I studied the rule. Now, <laughs> this, now, when your old guy said, I'm going to put you in your ass, cool, you'll be, fi- you'll be fouled out, out of the, the first quarter. I'm going to foul you out in the first quarter. I don't care. I don't, like this. I don't have to see you in the fourth. No such thing as a flagrant foul. <laughs> no such thing as a flagrant foul. Think about that. They handled their flagrant fouls physically. Yeah. They took care of the flagrants, right? I remember going to watch old Boston Laker games, and Kurt Ram was getting clotheslined mm-hmm. at the rim. They started scrapping. Yep. That was the end. That was the flagrant foul, but everybody got, they got to keep playing. <laughs> now these guys, it's different. And so, but I, I do agree with that. I think skill, when you have superior skill, especially when shooting is 
one mm-hmm. of them. That translates throughout, you know what I mean? Like from to be able to play. But it's a lot of guys I do believe that in this generation that would not have been able to play in that generation just because of the, the physical part of the game. And definitely not the, as many young guys. Right, see, young, young guys couldn't walk in the league back then. That's why you didn't see it as much. Mm-hmm. Cause physically they couldn't have done that. Yeah, phys- physically you was they were just too big then. It, the grown men, brute, brute strength. Cause you got to remember the people who were coming in the league then were fours, four years. Right. They were like three to that three to four, five, not eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. If you was eighteen and nineteen coming in the league then, that was like what? Like unheard of. When KG did it, yeah, it didn't happen till KG. Really. It was like. Yeah. But you got to remember, but he's think Spencer how Hayward, Hayward, but Spencer Hayward, Hayward and, and, and like Sean Kemp even did it. That was the, like, that was but, a but, but those were the positions. Reasons. So now yeah. you think about the positions that was in. They were big brutes, Anthony Mason's them, and you were skinny, 210, power forward. Yeah, you couldn't handle oh it. Oh, my God. You they would have killed you. Think how little Kobe looked when he was... But he, he was, was but at least he was sitting took him a two. couple years to fill out. He, he was, was a two guard. guard. He was a two guard. But even then, he still had to go into the lab and get swole because... He was back. He was still part of that generation that they was That's doing this and they was mm-hmm. grabbing and holding. When you got to the rim, they was coming down on you and testing you, right? And so, it is some guys in this generation I think would have struggled. But conversely, it's guys in that generation that would have struggled. That would have struggled up here. Because and I think okay. space spacing is the key to the game today. Mm-hmm. You couldn't play. You, you you. It's very difficult to play long stretches of minutes with two non-shooters on the floor mm-hmm. at the big position. So a lot of those bigs wouldn't have played because they wouldn't have had two non-shooting bigs yep. on the floor today, right? They would have all ended up being centers. A lot of the power force, think of the-, the Davis the, boys. The, I was gonna say, Indiana, <laughs> Smiths, the yep. Davis boys, <laughs> that crew. Like that was a huge front line, but you had that all over the league. Mm-hmm. You had, uh, and even you brought up Sean Kemp, it was like him, Detlef Shrimp, and like, Something-ish. Yeah, Bigger than most teams have played in a long time. And they could have played bigger they if they wanted have. to. They could have really went big. <laughs> they could have went even big. They could have they, they could put a huge lineup on fly. I was actually barking for one of them, but I I I hear hey, LeBron, LeBron laughed. I said, yo, man, hey, won't y'all just try? I said, y'all playing Miami. They this small. is sweet. I said, won't you just play my 2K lineup? It's gonna be you at the one. Cool's at the two. I said, <laughs> AD at the three. JaVale oh. or what's the name? Uh, JaVale or Dwight. Dwight at the four and the five. And just go big. Massive. I said, you're massive. You're going to protect the rim. And you're just mm-hmm. as fast See, as that. My, my group was, my group was, uh, was Bron, Kuz, uh, Morris, AD, and Dwight. <laughs> See, we, that was my we got group. the video game line. Yeah, that's just big shooting. <laughs> humongous. Just pound you to death, right? But you don't see that. Uh, you know, that you, you can't get away with that that much now unless you have a guy like AD yep. who's special. Like, yep. he's, you know, right now I think he's the best big in the game. Um, you know, between him and Jokic and who else would you say? If Carl Anthony Towns can... can em, Embiid, if Embiid... Embiid I think Carl Anthony Towns still got he, a lot left in there if he knows to exactly show more. What he, like, Embiid, Embiid is one of those guys. Oh, like, he's so talented. He's so talented, but he... 
doesn't know how to tap into the that 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 dog. He needs to be in Miami with UD. Just to, to tap into that dog that say, you know what, wait a minute, I can I can go 50 and 20 against these guys. What, you know, he ain't been mad enough yet. Yeah. I don't know, you know, like like uh he didn't use it right yet. It's gonna no, come he though. Know how to, he I hasn't gotten angry. Yet. It's 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 when he really gets fed up. That's what you're gonna yeah. see. Cause it hurt, it's pain. That's what Giannis yeah. was talking mm -hmm. about. You know, not we, he, we went in that full circle, but Giannis, the whole point of it is he understands that you gotta go through a certain amount of pain to get to what these guys are getting to do. And he recognizes that. And that's why I respect the fact that he stayed in Milwaukee, because he was like, look, it ain't their fault. Yeah. He was like, I got good teammates, I like the city, I'm happy where I'm at. We're knocking on the door. And he's taking on himself. I gotta do more, I gotta be better. And so I like that. I like that he's owning that and like saying, bring it on and understanding that, you know, this shit ain't gonna get handed to you. Yep. This, this, it's tough, man. It, it, this, this league is unforgiving, man. And it's, it's, you think about the team we had in Miami and it came and went. Golden State came, came and went. Like, think about that Golden State team. Yeah. I mean, they have gone through hell, <laughs> right? Like, Clay down twice, KD mm. goes down and leaves, Steph down twice, Draymond been down. And it just, it's hard to stay at the top. It's hard to stay at the top. And you got these hungry young dudes coming up. You got the Devin Bookers of the world mm -hmm. going after Paul George in the yeah, game. Yeah. And they want, they want a certain amount of status. And, you know, that's who y'all were in Golden State. Yeah. When you was young Gilbert, it was like, oh, y'all not going to respect us? Him and that's why I was like, barbecue. I was watching 50 point, back <laughs> yeah, to back, back 50 points. I'm like, damn, these dudes is balling. These kids is out here killing it. But that's what the league is. You got a bunch of hungry young lions, and in the, in, in the wild, young lions gonna keep trying to chase off that old lion until yep. they take the pride. And so that's just part of the deal. And that's why, you know, when Devin Booker went after Paul George, and Paul George was like, "Oh, what nobody said this ten years ago?" It's like, no, because it's been ten years. Yeah, yeah. you starting to become an old lion. <laughs> yeah. And these dudes is looking at your spot in the All Star game, saying, "Well, he, you're in my way. You in my way." You're and my so. Way. That's why I like it, because Paul George is now going to answer the bell, and let's see his talent. Yep. What's going to come out of him being mad, right? He's He ain't got to taste it. Nope. Kawhi been over there drinking champagne and shit in <laughs> different places <laughs> and holding the trophies, and Paul ain't tasted it. And now people are starting to test him and, 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 and really see if he is what he is. And so I'm looking forward to seeing yeah, that's, it's, it's, you know, that, that's I, But see, that's you're looking at from the... Yeah, Robinson Park. Robinson Park. I always see how you respond. Responses. That's respond. all it's based on. I always yeah. used to tell my teens this, even my young kids. I used to say, I don't care if a situation happens. Shit happens. You're mm -hmm. going to lose a game. You're going to play bad. You're going to, this is going to happen. And you're going to argue with each other. I want to see the response. The response, the bounce back. Who do you become mm -hmm. out of that fire? You know, and that's what I want to see out of Paul. And I'm, I, if I was a bed man, I'm going to bet that he going to rise on this yeah. one. I think he going he gonna to get tired of hearing it. You know, all the chirping. He hears it more here than everywhere. He, you know, hey, now being home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. he's and the media around it because he, you know, OKC Be don't get that kind of attention. Because Indiana one, didn't get that kind of attention. There's more pressure on him because he hasn't won. Right. So Ka Kawhi, even, even though Kawhi is the big free agent, Kawhi yeah. doesn't want to. So they're they're not even challenging his. They know what he can do. Yep. They know if the Clippers don't win it, it's not because of him. him. Because he's done it in two that's other places. That's exactly what it is. So that, that, that focus shifts now to the next best player, mm -hmm. which is Paul. And if Paul, you know, if, if he's the guy I think he is, and he's going to embrace it. That's, you mm -hmm. want that. Like, if you're a competitor, put it on me. Yep. I want all of it. 
You know, like if we lose, so what? At least I was willing to step in front of it and, and take it. You know, that's what the great ones, they all have that gene. You had that gene. I'm going to shoot this shot. Yep. I don't give a shit what you say about it. Whether if we win or lose, I'm shooting and I'm okay with what happens. And that's what the, you know, the great ones, the Coles, the, 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 the Joe Johnsons, the you, the guys that make game winners, Paul Pierce, mm -hmm. you know, the D Wades, the, I mean, cold blooded cats. They all have that, that mentality. Jordan had the ultimate, yeah, like, yeah. fuck it mentality. Like, oh, can I cuss on your thing? I cuss yeah, a lot. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a coach, man. We curse. You know? <laughs> but Jordan had that ultimate, you know, we can live with whatever I get mm -hmm. for us, you know? And, uh, you know, that's what I think makes those guys, you know, unique is, is Steph's got it, mm -hmm. you know? It's just this cold-blooded way of looking at making shots, you know, and it makes them KD. Make some special. Maybe Kyrie. I mean, it's, it's a it's a vein in y'all. It's yeah. a different, it's a certain group of guys throughout generations in the league that they can go 0 for 20. When it's on the line, they are taking that shot. shot. And it don't matter. It don't matter. It says that if it goes in, great. We thought it probably was gonna go in. If it miss, you probably want him taking it anyway. Yeah. Whether he was 0 and 20, 0 for 20 or not. So you know, now it's Dame and Steph and Kyrie and KD and shit. Brown has made a lot of big shots now. He's he's gotten that monkey off his back, where he's hit some big shots. Mm -hmm. You know, but you got some guys now that have Doncic. What do you well, think about Luca? I love him. I love him. <laughs> he just looks like he's having fun. I just that's the part I like about because I think we get a, too far away from it, the basketball game part of it, mm -hmm. and we get lost in the numbers and the the salaries and stuff like that. And we forget it's just a game of fun. Fun game. Yeah, he's right? out there having fun. And that fun. dude is just hooping. And he's not the best athlete. He ain't the worst. Uh, he ain't the fastest. He ain't the slowest. He's just like, I would want to play with him. He's smart. Yeah. And, it's, it's and like, he knows how to use his body. And he's, he knows when to go, when to back it up. Like, I, that's the kind of guy I would want to play with. Like, I, I even, I uh, someone was, I was saying something about, um, I think it was my lab last podcast about um, fouls, right? Uh -huh. um, and I said, you don't have to be strong. You know, it, it ain't about being strong. It's which. So someone was like, nah, I disagree. I said, all right, here we go. Uh -huh. I said, I'm going to tell you this, and then you let me know what you think. I said, Trey Young shoots more free throws per game than Giannis. Yep. LeBron, Embiid, and any big man strong that you can think of. Because <laughs> if you touch, touch his little ass. And that's what I said. And that's what, that was my thing. It's like, they got it ain't him. about being strong uh -uh. because when you're stronger, you get penalized. Cheat code. Yeah. Didn't you say? Yeah, got, the cheat code. They got the cheat code. James Harden's got the, the cheat, cheat code. code. We understand. You put your hand out there, you try to climb up in him, that's a foul. Because he knows exactly how to get all of that even when he don't get fouled, yep. it looked like he, he got, got fouled. fouled. And, that was, and I said, that's the thing is to score 30 to 40, you have to understand the rules. Absolutely. You got to understand the refs, yep. the element. You have to understand it all to be that successful. 
Because you got to get some easy stuff. Yep, easy. You, you have to get easy stuff. stuff. You got to get easy ones. The, 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 the great scorers in this league know how to get the easiest points. Like somebody's like, yeah, you scored 60. Yeah, I had 27. I shot 27 free throws. <laughs> uncontested shots. I, I made them pay. 27 you're, uncontested you're, shots. You're not going to rust me. You're not going to rust me up like you think I'm going to sit there and uh -huh. boop. Uh -huh. I'm going to hit you. When you get ready to hit back, Oh, here we go. Thank you, Ralph. Yep. See that? I'm going to go right here. <laughs> yep. So here you You're going to get out on the break and get to six to eight cheap layups. You're going to get a back cut. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. And that's what great scores do. That was one thing I thought when Bron came to Miami, I thought D-Wade gave him another little element to get cheap buckets was uh, one was he already had the gift of getting out and running the court, but cutting. Mm -hmm. D-Wade just knew how to knack, but when you turned your head, Man. he was gone. He was getting him an easy layup. And I, I watched LeBron start hunting for more. Instead of resting on possessions, which he probably needed rest because he was <laughs> just exerting so much energy, he started looking at, okay, I'm going to be on his weak side, and I'm about to, as soon as this dude fall asleep, yep. I'm gone. And he started getting like four points, six points a game just, just on off cuts. Of that. Yep. And then he started doing it when he'd look up and he'd be like, oh, we in the bonus. Cut. Dude, body checks yep. him, he goes to the line. <laughs> and he just started racking up these numbers on others, on other others. things, yep. you know. And that's and, what people do not pay attention to. And the guys that, you know, and I think that's really important too for, for guys if they want to play a long time, you know, and you're a great scorer, is if you're a great scorer and you want to play for a long time, you've got to lean on those other things as you get older. And as you do that, just talk to D-Wade about it. He'll tell you. He was like, in my later years, those last years, I wasn't doing all the D-Wade. <laughs> uh, he was like, I was shot faking and getting in the bodies, <laughs> and I was cutting, and I was getting cheap stuff where I would contest and leak out. Mm -hmm. But his average stayed pretty high. Yep. He was always in that 18 to 20 range, even mm -hmm. in his last year, because he still understood. I know how to get. And I could still pull out a game or two while I cook you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for the other four games during the week, I'm going to cut you and get fouls and stuff like that. And I think that's when, when guys figure that part of the game out, it gives them a chance to play a little bit longer um, than normal, you know. But, you know, again, that also has takes some uh, – it takes some uh, – you got to check your ego a little too as you age because you ain't that dude no more. Yes. <laughs> and if your mentality is still, I need 25, 25. shots, and da, 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 but your body is like <laughs> – you, nah. you got 10. Yeah, you got, you got 10. 10. <laughs> 10. We're going to get you six play calls, and the rest of that shit better come yeah. off of you moving yeah. and somebody else because you, it just that's just what it is. And you have to you have to check your ego some to be able to, to morph into that to play a role for a team, you know, as you age. Here, here's what it is, Gil. I'm trying to think at the end of every episode, I sort of wrap it up with, with what we talked about. And we talked about so much. Mm -hmm. we, we covered so much ground here, and... I think what it boils down to is the spirit of the game. I think that's yeah. what you embody, you know, more than anything. And it's I love the, game. the era that yeah. you came up in, the generations before yeah. you, the current generation now, and everything that they are faced with off the court and who they are as men and men they'll become. Yeah. And then as players, you know, that understanding, you know, how things work and seeing a bigger picture and seeing where they fit in it. If you're a superstar, if you're a role player, yeah. where it can take you. And I think that... That's the best way to bring all this together. Yeah, and that's this the the beauty of what's happening now is this is that that whole bullshit, like you said, about shut up and dribble and you know trying to pigeonhole uh, these young guys into to, to this label of they are just this a basketball player. Mm -hmm. 
you guys were so much more. These guys are so much more. Mm -hmm. These guys are businessmen. These guys are dads. These guys are activists. You know, these guys are, they, they, they just have so many other talents and contributions. Uh, and the cool part is you get to see it more now because of social media, yep. right? And these guys was doing that same stuff. They was involved in the same type of stuff. They was, they was engaged, but you just didn't get to see it as much uh, uh, as you do now. And I think that's the cool part I like about what we're seeing is not only do we still have a super fun, talented league um, that, that you're never short on entertainment, but at the same time, we got really aware, conscious citizens that are contributing to our society in a way uh, that, you know, has, has been frowned upon for a long time. And a lot of people took a lot of hits for these guys to be able to do it. You know, you think about Muhammad Ali, you talked about, you know, Mahmoud Raouf mm -hmm. and, and, and Colin Kaepernick and guys like that and Juan Carlos and people like that. And they, these guys made huge sacrifices and was on the island by themselves doing it. You know, and now it's a little safer and easier to get. <laughs> yeah, a little safer and easier. Right, uh, to, to put yourself out there. But they're doing it and they're taking advantage of it. And that's the part, you know, that I think is, is so impressive uh, with this generation. They're doing it during the pandemic, right? <laughs> it's just they're doing it under the the, the most uh, scrutinizing eye of, of criticism from the standpoint of social media and people having the, the voice to, uh, to talk shit about them, yeah. right? It's not just the media or the paper talking shit about you now. <laughs> it's everyone. It's everyone. everyone. Like, like when Millions. I was, I'll get my ass kicked in New York, I stayed off of it because everybody was talking shit about yeah. me. And, that, and look, that's what it is. And I, I, luckily enough, I, mean, I got thick skin and I don't engage uh, as much, but these guys are on social media and they read that stuff and, and they're they're battling through all of that, you know, which is, you know, some of them really struggle with it, right? But they're battling through that on top of being professionals, family men, citizens in the community. So I marvel at that and I, and I, I, I commend them for who they are and what they're, where they're taking our league. That's what it is. And I think they're men is what you said, and they're interesting men with a lot of things going on mm -hmm. in their world uh, individually and then collectively as a team, and they're really talented, and that's what we're all fans of. I know that's what I'm a Absolutely. fan of, and uh, that's why we watch. That's why we love it. Yeah, and, and you know, even the coaches too. I, I just, you know, I don't think people really grasp, uh, and this is not for me seeking sympathy at all, but how tough that seat is and, and that job is. To, to coach on the coaches are the first to get cut in every sport. <laughs> yes. Like every single sport, when shit goes bad, yeah, yeah, coach yes. is probably out the door. And we know that. We embrace that as coaches. You know what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, to see where the game has gone from the standpoint of the evolution of the coach and systems and skill that they're teaching and pace, you know, no one. When I first got in the league, no one was teaching what you did naturally, which was a two-step. Mm -hmm. You know, no one was like as a fundamental teaching step here, step here, pop the ball out, yep. spin it, right? Now that's a fundamental in the league. And it's because coaches took what they saw a player do and they said, shit, that works. Let's teach it. It changed our game. Yep. D-Wade, Ron, Giannis, you look, James. Look at what the two-step has done to our game. You did it naturally. That was just your move. I don't know if you ever even was taught it. It was just something you just, 
Uh, kind of. Well, I was taught it from overseas players growing up in European players. When you're, when you're, when you're playing here in, uh, in the Valley, in the park, and all the players come. Because uh, remember back then, they were teaching the cuff. Stefan. Yep. Stefan Marbury. Yep. The cuff. And then I realized yep. that if one of those little guards got a hold of it, ref can't see it. So that's when I came with the ball out. Yep. <laughs> And, Pull up, yeah. yeah, all of that. And so, you know, to see what coaches have done, and, and I always say this, we learn more from y'all than y'all learn from us. But we do watch, mm -hmm. and we take little parts of the game like that, and we add it into fundamentals. We turn it into a fundamental. The step back to your right hand when you were a right-hand player was not a fundamental play no. back in the day. Hard. That is now something coaches teach, is that step back, mm -hmm. right, on balance, and that's right. a normal shot, Kyrie. Asshole <laughs> killed me in Brooklyn. Hit that. Yeah. He hit me with the boom to the right, full contest. Yeah. I might still be the coach of the Knicks if he hit that <laughs> shot. But it was normal for him. Mm -hmm. I was just like that, 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 boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And that's just a fundamental. And I just think that that's the cool part of why watching all of these coaches now, um, you know, who I admire so much because of, you know, one, the pressure of the job, but two, the way that they keep taking the game to a different level from a systematic and a fundamental standpoint. I think we're seeing some cool stuff happen. And, and like I said, a lot of it is because we, we watch you play. Y'all do something instinctually or something that just makes sense. And then we're like, damn, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Let's teach that. Or we y'all might do a cut or a movement in the game and it looks so good on the film, we add it to a yeah, set. Yeah. <laughs> we put in the play that just literally <laughs> is that. that action. And so like, that's what I think has been really cool to watch with this new generation is that the coaching has morphed with it. Mm -hmm. uh, the style of play has morphed with the rules as well and all of this stuff. And we're seeing a fun game. Like the games are fun. Like, you know, seeing these teams score the high, you know, 135, 140. Yeah, yeah, like, like offense. Like, yeah, like yeah, when people say, yeah, there's no defense. No, just the offense is just... It's just, just the it's offense just, is that much better. You got more skill, better. more shooting, more space. And remember, defensive rules... Hasn't, hasn't changed. Yeah, they're more... They're, they're for the offense, yeah. right? Good defense, better up. Better up, all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, but ultimately the best defensive teams win because it's just that plus margin yeah. minus. You got to hold some teams down, you know, to, to ultimately win and get over the top, you know. And so you see teams, a lot of these teams, you know, Brooklyn right now is an interesting team because will they be able to outscore everybody, right? Because if you look at their roster, other than DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, some, mm -hmm. they ain't really got no defenders, defenders over there, right? right? They ain't, you know, <laughs> if, if there's arresting people for defenders, <laughs> a lot of those dudes would not be in the lineup. Let's just say that. They wouldn't be behind the glass, right? <laughs> and so, but they could score. Oh, my God. And they skill, they space, they fast, they this. So how far can that take you? How mm -hmm. high of a level will that get you to? Uh, you know, we'll see. But the Lakers guard. You know, where yeah, the, yeah. the Lakers guard you. They protect the rim. Mm -hmm. They push everything to those big suckers. Those guards get into the ball. Uh, you know, Milwaukee guards. Right. Like, those teams get after you, you know. So it ain't just a scoring league. It's just the way the game is played, more possessions, more, you know, touch fouls. The numbers are going to be high regardless, you know. Yeah. Average scoring team now is scoring like 110. Yeah. Yep. And that's low. You're probably on the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's low. You know, you're probably on the bottom half of scoring in the league now because of that. And... You know, but again, I, I attribute that to, you know, obviously the players being so talented, but I also think the coaches have really done a great job of 
seeing the landscape and building systems that really highlight what is allowed and, and what they can get away with. So it's all fun, man. It's all fun. There you go. I know you like fun. And it is. It's a landscape. See the whole yeah, landscape. So absolutely. We, we appreciate you walking us through that and taking the time yeah, to, on, to get into so much. I do have to correct you on one thing, though. He wasn't pulling up from 35. It was more 40, right? Oh, he was raising now. Was somewhere around there. Once yeah, you get, yeah. when the water is that deep. <laughs> it don't matter. <laughs> I mean, you either can swim or you can't, right? Like, it's just, it don't matter. Like, so I couldn't swim in that water. That water was too deep for me. So, you know, that to see those guys now doing it just like it's a normal part of the game, you know. But I just, I always like to remind people there were people doing it before this generation, you know. Because oftentimes, when, especially when it's like this generation, they know Gilbert and all them, but they don't know dudes before them. Before me, yeah. Right, like 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 Jordan's the the uh, documentary. A Last lot of days. guys, we lived that, mm -hmm. right? We learned some new stuff, yeah, but overall, we knew we, we knew, knew what, what was going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. These dudes was all like, "Man, what? This <laughs> stuff is crazy." This is it. And I'm just like, "Damn, these dudes are dumb. They, <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't even born. Like yep. a lot of these dudes was not born." Mm -hmm. Think about that. That was 96, 97. Yep. They wear the shoes, but don't know. They don't the, know all that went into it until they saw that. And that's because it's a couple of generations mm -hmm. away. And it's like dealing with my son. My son makes beats. I had to give him a history lesson on music because there's a lot of rap music and stuff that he just don't know. It ain't his fault. He just didn't know. Mm -hmm. It's all there. Like, he's like, oh, that beat is tight. I'm like, that beat is a duplicate of this beat. Mm -hmm. And I play him the original. He's like, damn. <laughs> they made that shit in the 70s. I'm like, yeah, like that was so like, you know, guys just don't know. But it, that's why I think it's important that, you know, guys that saw it mm -hmm. remind them. That's why I said you was raising, Joe was raising. Mm -hmm. Who else was pulling deep them days with y'all? That was just like fearless just raising up. You know who's like was an amazing shooter, but he never got the he didn't get the credit as being like right. Nash. Oh yeah. Well, he did, yeah. He just didn't shoot that much, but when he did, it was he was going like, in. it was going in. It was going in. Like if, if, Nash shot the, if Nash shot the ball 22 times a game, he'd average 30. What a, what a marvel. Dude, I played four <laughs> years of college against this dude. He was a beast in college. Player of the year, he was tough. Mm -hmm. Like, he gave me headaches. I never thought that he was going to be the two-time MVP. But to watch how he kept kind of getting better and better. And then he and Dan Tony got together, and then it was like, and he met Stat, <laughs> and him and Amari got together, uh, and it was like, they had a beautiful, oh, they had a beautiful, that, that, that was a perfect. Oh my God. You couldn't him. have put two players together that was more made for each other. Like, it was beautiful to watch them. The passes, the lives, the just, it was, it was amazing. And Steve, ultimately, I mean, you, you could argue, uh, is top five most skilled player to ever play the game. Just everything. Shooting. Because yeah. he was the guy that was consistently getting 90, 40, 50. Right? Isn't that yeah. what it is? Yeah. yeah. 90, 90, 40, 50? You 40, shoot? 50, 90. 40, 50, 90. Is that how they say it? So Field goal, three-pointer. Three-pointer three over 40. Field goal over 50. Free throw over, over 90. 90. Over 90. 40, 50, yeah. 90. He, yeah. Was doing, he was doing that like it was enough. I mean, that, that sure. is hard. 82 guys <laughs> tonight. <laughs> But that's how great of a shooter he was. Yeah. Like so it like, goes to what you were he's saying. He's the greatest shooter of all time. I'm like, ah, I mean, Step is By trust volume. me, Step is there. By volume. I mean, yeah. Steve is there. He just he just, just didn't, he didn't shoot. take as he much. Just, he didn't he have that didn't. mindset. He didn't. Like, Steve would never pull from thirty. Nah. Like that just wasn't gonna happen. Like he just that wasn't <laughs> how he was made. But I'm like, trust me, 
I played against him, and every time I tried to mollywop him, he came back. <laughs> he came He's back. Coming he, was coming, he was coming He's back. Coming like, he just, and, and the thing I think he really, where he, at least I really learned a lot from him, watching him as a coach, when we talk about stealing stuff as a coach, is I, I really watched the way he emphasized balance in his game from the standpoint of staying balanced. Mm -hmm. And I think soccer really helped him with that, but I think he really trained on being on balance all the time. And I really took that with me in player development is working on, because then I got with D-Wade, who's a freak of nature that mm -hmm. way, where you think he should fall off balance, but he's on balance. Like, this is normal for him. And so Steve was the first guy I really started to watch, like, damn, you can't get him off balance. Mm -hmm. Like, he can shoot off the wrong foot, he can get <laughs> yeah, in the lane yeah, and be yeah. on this. It was, but he was on balance on that foot. It wasn't like a bad shot. And I just kept watching him do that. And then it was like, everything he could do is right, he could do it is left. He wasn't faster than everybody, but he wasn't slow. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just, and anything you did wrong, he, he made you pay. Every single, every single time. time. You could never go under on him and make that mistake. <laughs> you could never get caught ball watching and not yeah, get cut. Yeah. Like, nothing you did was gonna, yeah. you had to be fundamentally sound. He made, he made you, you pay every he, single he was time. The, he's a, as a player, he, he is, he's exactly what, the San Antonio Spurs were when they were at their best as a team. Yep. Right? Every time you did one thing wrong. One thing wrong. They carved your ass. <laughs> you was a Thanksgiving one thing turkey. Wrong, yep. one they thing. carved you up. You paid for every single thing you did wrong. Even when you was right, sometimes you was wrong. And they that's who Steve was as a player to me. He just really took advantage of the situation. Two-time fucking MVP. That's amazing. And I think he's going to be a heck of a coach. I think he's going to yeah. be a, I, he has a perfect, really, I mean, he has a perfect group. And he's got the demeanor for, for that group. Mm -hmm. Like, he's got, you know, he, he's going to know how to, how to communicate to KD and, and Kyrie. You know what I mean? In a way that, on a level, mm -hmm. that, that not too many people can talk to him on. You talk about, man, you say two-time MVP, shit. Yeah. You know? I'm Gil, we love, we love uh, great players that become coaches around here. So, it's just saying. No. We love great coaches Gil, too. Gil might kill somebody out there though. Gil, Gil, <laughs> them dudes might drive Gil crazy. I don't know. As long as they shoot, just shoot the ball. <laughs> That's all. Just shoot the ball. Don't be That's scared right. to shoot it. That's practice, all. practice. Don't be scared to shoot it. It's simple. No, you got to get in the gym. You know yeah, that. Stay in that gym. You got to stay in that gym, boy. This the, this the land of wolves. Nope. It's the there land it of is. wolves, brother. There it is. Be a wolf. Be yeah. the pack. Yeah, because if you don't, you be overseas. You be in the G <laughs> Be somewhere else. This, 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 this is it's unforgiving. It really is. I've seen a lot of guys coming to this thing with all of the bravado in the world, and two years later they was tread just just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. You know, because they just you was the best where you was at. Yeah. You got to come here and you got to reprove in a whole different type of pack, mm -hmm. the best of the best. You know, and so. If you if your ego is that of the best, but your game ain't, <laughs> that don't mix well. Don't and add of, up. And a lot of times, that's what ends that's up what happening. Happens, yeah. Guys' attitude gets fucked up. They think it's the coach's fault or somebody else's fault, and they they don't realize it's not. It's the level of competition is higher now, and you're not that guy anymore. And you better figure out what your role is so you can stay on the bus. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they're gonna get you off and pick somebody else mm -hmm. up. And I, I just seen it happen so many times, you know, to guys in the league because it's just, you know, these teams, they, you know, and it's not to be to be critical of the teams, it's cutthroat. Yep. They can't, they can't, they can only see you as a human being up to a certain point. 
And then they got to go after what is talent mm -hmm. and not the person all the way. They got to go get what can win games. Because at some point, everybody's job is on the line. And as a player, that's what you're facing mm -hmm. all the time, you know, until you establish yourself. And then even then, as you age, you got to evolve yep. and change and evolve adapt because they're looking for a reason to get rid of your old ass. <laughs> they, they want to fill that roster. They, they would love to fill that spot with some <laughs> six nine freak of nature who can't ready to come. Can't yeah. play dead in the cowboy movie, but he athletic <laughs> as hell. <laughs> and they're gonna invest that day and develop him, you know. And, and here it is, your old bud is over here cranky and messing up the locker room and thinking you should be playing. And that's a quick way to get sent out of the league. So you have to. You know, one, you got to come in hungry, and as you age, you got to adapt, or the league will, it's unforgiving. Adapt or, uh, adapt or die. Adapt or die. Adapt. We could do this all day, yeah, man. man. Gil, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm sure, left to go. We'll pick it up again another time, but no, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This thank you. Thank you for, for Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> I'm Mike Botticello. This has been David Fizdale. This has been No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. Remember, you can catch us every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Fubo Sports Network, and we'll see you next time.